1: connecting to the big show
2: in three two one
3: to the people that have done this your time is running out you will be found and you will be dragged before court
2: the small businesses we know in every sector that are being hit here do we want all
4: those local little cafes gone
1: our differences should be celebrated it's something to embrace different backgrounds different races (laughs) we're the one for cork and ready to talk can
2: we just talk Call 818 96 96 96. Extra
1: WhatsApp 83 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
1: The lines are live. Let's
2: kickstart the conversation.
1: This is the Opinion Line with PJ
5: Coogan
2: on Corks 96FM.
5: Morning, Tuesday. Well, the tra- the, the floods seemed to have receded really quickly this morning when they came up at the very early morning high tide. I was driving to myself just after 7 or maybe closer to 7.30. I was running a few minutes late this morning. And there was only a, a drop of water left on, on some of the... Some of the streets, some of the keys At least it isn't as bad as it might have been But it's still happening It is still happening And you just hope against hope as we head into winter That we won't have a bad incident It just looks really worrying It's. I mean, this is only very early November Although, I seem to remember And I'm trying to get the exact date in my mind It was November of 2009 We had the bad flood The worst flood in modern times. Do you remember that when they had to let water out of the dam and the, the wall collapsed down by the Mercy Hospital and there was nurses had to be ferried into work by, by boat, by the Navy and there was tract... The only thing that could, could get through the streets was a tractor. There was fish swimming on the Mar Remember all that? Yeah, that was only 2009. So at least we don't have that kind of crack to contend with anymore. The water goes fairly fast back into the river as soon as the tide goes down which is good but I'd say if you're a business owner still you know in the city centre you, you still would be afraid of your life when you see the water coming up those pictures from down there Trinity Bridge down there by the School come. Yesterday evening, there was pictures going around of how deep and how quick it came up and showing back down again an hour later. But you kind of wonder, in 2022, why is it coming up at all? Why can't we just get something done once and for all that stops it coming up that high once and for all, if it's even possible? Anyway, while all that's going on, people are trying to get something to eat. People are trying to get something warm. People are trying to get out of the wet. And Hazel Dennehy from Street Angels. Hazel, you had to start your food run early Last night, uh, it's worrying, isn't it? Good morning.
6: Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Long time no chat. It is
5: indeed. How are you getting on?
6: Oh my God, it was absolutely shocking. Was it? The the and even some of my team had texted me earlier saying, "Are we going out?" And I'm going, "Well, yes, because the homeless depend on us every Monday night." And um, I said, we have to go because we have companies and restaurants dropping food to us. And I said, I wouldn't have numbers to cancel them or anything. So, Mm. well, I'm going anyway. And a few more of the volunteers are going. It's up to yourselves. Yeah. Just
5: remind people again, Hazel, because like you said, we haven't talked in a while. How does your um, thing work on a Monday? What happens?
6: Yeah. Well, basically on a Monday, well, I I start out um, gathering food from friends and people wanting to help and donate in Mallow. I live in Mallow mm. and uh, uh, most of my volunteers live in um, the city and they pick up um, Colin Tobin in Tobin's Deli. He came on board two and a half years ago. Just this time, two and a half years ago, because um, there was a girl from the Commons and she was thrown out. And I just heard, and I just rang up, and I just said, "Look, I run Street Angels. I'll put her up in a B and B for a few days, and we see can we get we we find out why she got kicked out." And he contacted me, and ever since every Monday night. He drops roast dinners, mash, meat, anything. Oh my lord, the dinners are divine. And people can go in there at their seven euros and they can pay in advance and every time they pay for a dinner, he matches it. So for every one dinner, I get two. Do you know? And he and my volunteer, Niall Curtin, drops them. He picks up um, from Donatello's, i um, Papa Bill's, Murphy's in Shandon Street, mm. and top of the hill donates money towards the food, right? And so does um. There was one more. Oh God, I'm going to get killed for this. It'll now. come
5: to you. It'll come to you. It'll come
6: to you. It'll come to me. Um, top of the hill, Baker Street. Baker Street, it's yeah, Down yes. three three slabs of minerals yeah. and water.
5: And and you give them out from where, Hazel? And, again, remind and people.
6: We, we set up our tables about quarter past half six. We go to our lockup is in Shandon Street. Yeah. And we go there and we load and then I have a few volunteers that um, go in during the week and keep the lockup in order. I see. I and see. Um, we have all the stuff ready to bring down the cars come up um, at the moment. I've got a van, but I'm needing funding because it needs... An, a, is it a DOE or an NCP? Service, I'm not, yeah. we need, uh, need to test. No. But to get it back on the you, road. you ran
5: out of everything last evening in minutes, I think, was it?
6: In minutes, I swear to God, there was a video that Nile took and we hadn't even started. We I went down at about 10 to 6 myself and my team, and um, he came down with the food. And within, I'd say, less than 20 minutes, all the hot food was gone. Mm. Now, it had happened a few times, and I've gone over to McDonald's and bought 40 cheeseburgers and chips Mm. because the queue was still there waiting for hot food. Now we have loads of treats from Fitzpatrick's. Yeah. And um, they send in salad rolls. They, they're out in Glanton.
7: Yeah, no. And well.
6: then we have two little girls, and they're from where are they from Glenmire.
5: Right.
6: And don't they make little rainbow cakes? Ah, oh, lovely. Yeah. And this is yeah, ev- this that is that every
5: day. Monday, Hazel. But you
6: every mo-
5: cleaned out last Monday. night in record time, and in the,
6: record time, the
5: weather was awful. The rain day. was terrible. It was just. I, th- I think for you, it's a sign that things are getting worse.
6: It is. It actually is. And I had two families come down last night, and with their children. Um, they're Ukrainians, and they they said, "Is it okay if we get a bite to eat? Can we have a slice of pizza?" I said, "You can, of course." And the team put. You see, I have the teams dedicated. I have. Two on the hot food, two on the sandwiches and the cakes, and we get lovely lemon drizzle from Andrea out in Toker. Now she's been on board nearly since I started as well. I have a yeah. good few that still are on board with me. In fairness,
5: you built up a right little network.
6: I did. I have a fantastic team, you know, and then if I have surplus. It's very rare I'll have stuff left over, but I give it to the next run the next night because I think the other runs were all in it to help yeah. the homeless and the needy, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter about who's up running the organisation. And, and, and here have... is,
5: is there, like, November 2022 versus November 2021 versus November 2020? The need is increasing, is
6: it? Yeah. Well, when we started in, say, take the first year in twenty twenty, I'd say we fed anything from twenty to fifty was a lot. Right. Then the following year, it went from about fifty to about ninety. Okay. And at the at some nights, we'd feed anything over one hundred and twenty.
5: What had you last night? Yeah.
6: And, you know, and it's young and it and it's not even the older homeless now, because I've been with homeless people working with them for the last 10, 12 years. And I know them personally as well, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and now a lot of them have accommodation, but they're still struggling. And I said, just because you have a roof over your heads, you still come down, you still get help. Yes. We're still here to help. We're not yeah. here to forget about you.
7: Lots of
5: children as well, I think, come and looking for something to eat.
6: There is. Oh, bless my heart. And they're gorgeous and they're so polite. I said you could teach my own kids a few tricks.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, and the Ukrainian children, I think you're seeing a lot of, yeah? Yeah.
6: Yeah. Uh, look, they, they can't help it. It's not their fault unfortunate, you know, and well, they've
5: run away from a war, Arabia. you know.
6: Yeah. And you know, you have to try and help, you know. Yeah. Now we do have a shoe um, boxer, well, I prefer the shoe bag appeal because I found in the late last few years that like I know people like doing up the shoe boxes. But the shoe bags are easier for them to walk away with. We go to the nursing homes. We give some to the nursing homes. I got a request yeah. of a nursing home in Timaleague. Will we be able to supply some?
5: Timaleague, wow.
6: Down in Timaleague, Crazy. I got contacted. And um, I said, I'll do my utmost. And um, we have a few schools um, in the city and we have four in Mallow yeah. that are got, coming on board with us and I have a poster up. I might drop one into you. Feel free. Um, um <laughs> yeah. With the stuff that they're looking for. Good. You know?
5: yeah, I, I think we need tents, we need sleeping bags and uh, stuff tents. like...
6: Yeah. Now, that's priority at the moment <laughs> because um, tents and sleeping bags, we had a couple young couple, I'd say they're running their well she was in her 20s early 20s i'd say he was two or three years older
7: mm.
6: and they were the color of this they came down looking for tents i gave them tents sleeping bags blankets now i have a few ground mats and i'd go up to the lockup if you know they needed yeah. them and i i'd Find out where they were. Were they sleeping? Were they, they, sleeping, guess, were they
5: yeah. sleeping outside last night? Helen?
6: Yeah, oh they God. were sleeping outside, and he 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 told us he had cancer. What? And I yeah, I was shocked, and I said, "Would you go down to the mercy?" And he said, "We've been there the night before last, and they kicked us out." I, nice. I didn't have time to go into why.
5: Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever happened um, there, we don't know. But, but, but they had nowhere know, to go last she, night. That's the. They pr- had I,
6: nowhere to go, and he was, I'd say, twenty-three to twenty-five. Do you know? Now I'm very bad to put it. You're know all right. I can. I, I cancer.
5: a cancer patient coming to look for food and sleeping bags and, and
6: clothing, and clothes. Yeah, God, and then I had a team walking the streets. And Peggy, she's one of my more senior volunteers she'd been with me for two and a half years and she takes the walk around and we had three other gentlemen go with her and um, they came across a, two ladies down the laneway and she was soaked to the skin and they rang back and one of the new volunteers came back to me and I gave him clothes for her but the boyfriend turned up and there was a bit of
5: a okay, a okay. I know, these you things know. happen. So, Hazel, things, what, what do you need and what how can we get them to you?
6: Now, we have a GoFundMe page. Now, <laughs> I'm not great with the academic side of it. I have Karen O'Leary. She set up the uh, GoFundMe page. Mm-hmm and um i'm sure if they go into go fund the link will come up for street angels okay we have um a bank account and um i just bring up the thing there and we also have um a paypal account which is all lowercase. it's street angels cork okay at gmail.com okay Okay, and they can pay uh, into that, and the AIB account is I E.
5: Oh, come here! You could be all day reading out those details. We'll put them up. We'll put them up. (laughs) We'll get the details. And Street Street Angels on Facebook is where you'll get all of that information.
6: Yeah, and then the Instagram.
5: Okay, Instagram as well. No, I know. No, if we start reading out bank account numbers, people will just get confused, and they'll be ringing me until until next Tuesday oh, to find out what we said. No, you're yeah. all right. Street Angels on Facebook will get all of the information. We just had a look there uh, from from that. So as much as you can. Get. But the bottom line, yeah. Hazel, is it's getting worse. Yeah, we
6: we 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 need a lot of stuff now this winter because even though the independence. You know, um festival, festival in Mitchestown in August. Um it was the last minute um we got contacted. Um one of my volunteers was doing security and we went down on the Monday when it was all over and we picked up a load of the tents oh, yeah. and yeah. sleeping bags and we washed them all. My volunteers sure. Linda and I we took them home, we washed them. And we must have picked up a hundred or more. But good. we've given them out. Sure, since they're yeah.
5: they're all gone now. So you need tents, you need food, you need donations of any kind, and you'll find all the details. Anyone want to help you will find all the details. Street Angels on Facebook. Hazel, continue that fantastic work that you do. Great to catch up with you. And to everybody who helps Street Angels with what they do on a Monday. Good on you. Terrible it's just so sad to hear that it's getting... I look, Hazel says it, Katrina says it, everybody says it. It's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse out there. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six Um on the flooding. Yeah, it was November 9th, 2009. Water everywhere. Thanks for that. And in Mallow, the road from the new Lidl, along by the town park, is flooded. That's always flooded. Uh, that's probably causing the delay getting into the town. I remember that particular road being so badly flooded one time. It might have been the same thing now in 2008. I remember it being so badly flooded, all you could see was the top of the bus stop, literally the round bit at the top of the bus stop, sticking up. So it it, it, it does get that bad still. In Malo from time to time. Right. Trying to feed your children is just huge for so many people. And we're looking at what? Six weeks to Christmas from the weekend. And some people not particularly worried about what Santa will bring, but some people just worried will they have enough to eat for the next few weeks. So I'll talk about it next.
2: The Cork Diary. On
1: courts, 96 FM.
2: The annual Kenya Bowl takes place on Saturday, the 12th of November at the Rochestown Park Hotel, with a drinks reception, three-course meal, and music by the Love The event will be raising money to help families in Kenya enjoy a brighter future. For information and tickets, go to BrighterCommunities.org. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to CorkDiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With CorkSimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day.
5: On Cork's 96FM. Now, Mary Claire. Um, the hardest morning, thing. At, hi, the hardest thing to do at the moment is keep enough food on the table for your children. Morning.
4: It surely is uh, the, the hardest thing. Um, uh, I suppose, like uh, most other families in the country, I don't think we've seen anything that hasn't increased in in, in our food bills or, or our weekly shopping. Mm. Um, the biggest increases that I've seen personally are you know, the the meat and the dairy products and the eggs and the cereals and I suppose all the things that you need to provide your children for their breakfast and their, their school lunches
5: The staples, like the, the yeah. bread, the meat, the milk the eggs, the butter
4: Absolutely,
8: yeah. yeah yeah.
5: The simple things that you need every day
4: That's it, exactly um, you know, um, I've spoken to a lot of families over, you know, the last few days and and weeks. And and some of the stories uh, coming from other people are just absolutely harrowing. People who have, you know, every bit of their remaining money just going on food just to live, you know. And I mean, we've we've made all the cutbacks that we can. We've gone with the cheapest option in the supermarkets. Hmm. There is no option of going lower anymore, you know. Families are being forced now to literally buy, buy less food
5: because even something as simple and it was always cheap was dry pasta that's gone up even that's gone up
0: it has yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. flour's gone up as Luigi chap from a restaurant mm-hmm. and y'all said to be here last week flour is the new gold so even yeah. even someone wants to bake their own bread that's gone up
4: absolutely yeah yeah I mean families are literally now on the bread line but you know as you say without the bread yeah
5: yeah, There's a cost-of-living protest coming up on the Grand Parade on Saturday.
4: There is, absolutely. I, I will be there, boots on the ground, and I will be there again and again as many times as, as is actually necessary. I'd encourage everybody else who's feeling this because it's not just a pinch or a squeeze anymore. It's suffocating, do you know, and, and and I'd encourage anybody who, who is feeling that yeah. to, to get out on the street and be one of these voices to say, enough is enough.
5: Yeah. You've met students who are literally living without electricity to save money.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And absolutely students, not just students, families as well. You know, turning on the heat for a couple of hours or putting, you know, meat in your meal for your family have, have now become luxuries. Yeah. You know, and it's like in, in a country that essentially we are a wealthy country. It's ridiculous that things like that should be seen as luxuries. Yeah.
5: What's your own story, Marie-Claire? I know we've talked before. Just refresh my mind. You've three, isn't it?
4: I do, yeah. I mean, there's there's two of us in, there's two parents in the household we've three children. Um, <clears throat> my partner works full-time and I work for myself on a part-time basis. Um, and, and and we are still deeply struggling.
5: Is it fair to say Santa is the least of people's concerns this year?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything, everything is being, everything has to be, has to be scaled back. I, I, I don't know how a lot of people can even think ahead to Christmas when, when they're living, you know, day to day or week to week with that kind of, you know, with this uncertainty. Like, I mean, it's, it's a very precarious time for families, you know. Yeah. So I don't know how Christmas has even come into people's minds.
5: Is, is it worse than previous years, Marie-Claire?
4: Without a doubt. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I, I can't remember in, 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 in my lifetime when I'm not that young, um, you know, struggling this, this deeply, you know, um, and, and like really, the measures, I know some people have had some very brief reprieve from the budget, but really, I don't think these measures go far enough. Mm. They're very short-term solutions for like what looks like it's going to be a much more medium to long-term. Yeah. I mean, they say that we're heading for a recession, and put a recession on top of rising inflation and cost of living, you know, that's just totally unsustainable for too many families.
5: If you take that the first of these three Credits towards the electricity bill are to drop this month when your next bill is... Now, that'll work out at, I think, €183 for most people. Like, will that be any good to you, Marie-Claire?
4: Realistically? Um, Well, I the way I see the the energy credit is that it's a very specific purpose. And while, yes, it helps, but I think it helps the majority of families stay out of arrears. More than anything, it, but it doesn't actually put more money in your pocket for yeah. the day-to-day things that you need. You know. Yeah.
5: What about rent?
4: Rent? Yeah. Well, we're we're renting our, ourselves, and uh, that's uh, an, an unfortunate situation that, that I don't want to get into now. But yes, we are facing our own housing crisis as well as many other people are, um, and uh, it's just uh, it, it's shocking. I, I just I can't understand why rent caps haven't been. Um, it's are
5: you under pressure? You said, did you say recently you're under pressure yourself from a landlord? Are you?
4: We are,
5: yeah. <sighs> so people are, st- are people still trying to put rent up in the middle of all this? There.
4: Well, there's there's rents going up. There's landlords exiting the market on mass, um, and uh, leaving people looking in, in a housing market in a rental market that's virtually non-existent.
5: Do you actually? I mean, I'm hearing here in my ear, you actually have a, a notice to quit, do you? Yeah,
4: yeah, we do.
5: How much time does that give you?
4: We've been here a long time, so we do have several months, much more than, than other people, but it is outside of the, the freeze over, over the winter. So we, we while we do have time, uh, I suppose time is irrelevant when, yeah. you know, the market just isn't there.
5: Yeah, yeah, but you're not, like, you're not facing being out at Christmas, no? No, we're not. Springtime?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and, and a lot of people. Marie Claire, just on a side note, a lot of people don't know their rights when it comes to that. Like, if you've been in the house for quite a while, your your landlord can't say I want you out by the first of December. They can't do that.
4: No, they absolutely can't. I mean, I, I, I and in in my in previous work, I have encountered Threshold many times, and I'd absolutely encourage anyone in that situation to contact Threshold the moment they get a, a they get a notice. They are really, really fantastic for for advice on your on your housing rights. Do you
5: know, A lot of people have said to me, sort of, quietly, with regard to protests and stuff, and we obviously mention every protest that comes up, and I did say one time, you know, will they actually achieve anything? And I was very, sort of, quickly brought to book by someone who said, look, very kindly, look, PJ, what was absolutely sure is if we don't go out, nothing will happen. If we do go out, something just might
4: Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, there, we, we are the many and, and, and they are the few. And if we make our voices heard collectively, then that, then I do believe that there is real, real power in that and that we have to do it again and again and again uh, as many times as it's actually necessary until we're heard, just like we did with the water charges yeah. movement, you so, know. Can I, I ask mean, that you for very,
5: yourself, like, just your own... Self in your own circle, in your own family. If if a minister was sitting in front of you now, Michael or Pascal Dunne, sitting in front of you now, saying, "All right, Marie Claire, what do you need? What what can I give you to get you through the winter?" Say. Okay. So to get through,
4: um, they need uh, a price caps on uh, on the energy energy companies, because essentially that energy credit is literally just going back into the pockets of the energy companies. Um, looking at things like the Consumer Protection Act, ironically named, they were able to use that to introduce minimum price units on alcohol, for example. Why can't they use that same legislation to introduce maximum price controls um, on food? And they need caps on, on rent. Mm.
5: Those, yeah. They've said that to chase the energy companies and trying to cap them would actually end up costing so much money you could give nothing else to
4: people. Uh, I don't know about that, really. Mm. I mean, the only thing that you're costing is, is is their profits, really. True.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. No. No. People are desperate and they're looking for they're looking to government for help and they're kind of saying, look, you know, your job. Your, who, who is it your job to mind, us or them, kind of thing?
4: That's exactly it. And the people who are doing the minding of, of the families in these situations are these wonderful charities like you've just had on. That's right. You know, and, and they really are absolute angels. They're wonderful people. But the stark reality is that it wouldn't and shouldn't be necessary yeah. If the government were doing the job of protecting families right. adequately,
5: two o'clock Saturday, grand parade, uh, Mary, Claire, and many more besides will be there protesting at the cost of living and looking for something to be done. Kate, morning. Hi,
8: how are you? Um, I just want to say something about all the carverys that are in the hotels and yes. um, all the meals that are cooked. At lunchtime, there's loads of of food, um, veg, meat, everything left over. Can they not put them into trays like they do in the supermarket, you know, where they have the ready meals? Yes, indeed and give them out because they're throwing the food away every single day. And that, And if they come along and say health and safety, that's a load of baloney. Because if that's the case, the supermarket shouldn't be able to give out their ready meals either. Well, well you know I, I mean? remember the,
5: the great Brendan Dempsey, formerly of Vincent de Paul, told me one time, since he's ill-active with Vincent de Paul, told me yep. one time the truckloads of fresh food they get yep. thrown into dumps every year. Oh,
8: yeah, p- yeah, it's a disgrace. Could literally turn it it your stomach actually. It is, it. It. yeah. But could they, not, could they not do that, put them on the, the metal trays like they do in super early in different places and just give it out because it's it's not going to be gone off. It's the same-day food. That's right. And it's lovely and it can be just heated up. Um, can I just say something? Would they ever, for God's sake, get on with the gas and the and tell them they can't put the devices up anymore? Something has to be done because people cannot afford it. Yeah. Surely, be to God, they have some power of the government to stop this.
5: You would think so, wouldn't you? The
8: profits are enormous if you heard them there during the week, you know. I think they're the worst offenders, actually, to be honest. Yeah. You know? Okay, listen, take care. And hopefully the hotels might take this on board and forget about this. There's no health and safety, my Barney. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs>
5: no, you're all right, kid. You're, you're not the first I'm, to say I'm, that. I'm serious.
8: She. And just put the food on nice little trays and give it out to people.
5: Kate, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Health and safety, me Barney. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Like, the health and safety man has made a fortune out of people. And out of rules and regulations that make no sense, <laughs> none that ever was. What that, if anyone listening to me in a carvery today, if carvery will say from what, 12 to 2, uh, you'll have stuff left over from the carvery, veg and gravy and spuds and maybe a few bits, bits of meat or whatever you have. Would you do that? Would you actually donate that? Would you make that up into little trays and just give it out to the homeless or get someone from the penny dinners to call and collect it or someone from. From the Street Angels to call and collect it. Would someone take that? Or is there nothing? Is there genuinely nothing left at the end of a carvery? I don't know. I've never run a carvery. I've never worked in a carvery. I've eaten in a carvery. I like carvery, but I've never, never, I I would not, I have no idea what's left over at the end of a day's carvery. Hazel was back on from the Street Angels. If we know of anywhere with hot dinners that could donate them, they'd be, well, there you go. There you go. Hot dinners, like carvery, hot food end of the day, you've got hot food left. Maybe we could, if, if someone is interested in doing that, we can put you in touch with the Street Angels. 0818 96 96 96.
1: Here at Cork's 96 FM, we're celebrating our seven Imro Radio Awards.
2: We won gold for best breakfast show,
1: silver for best entertainment presenter, best radio DJ, and best news story.
2: Bronze for music station of the year, radio moment of the year, and best interactive speech program. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Thank you so much for listening from your EMRO award-winning station.
5: Cork's 96 FM. There's a story in one of the newspapers this morning which says that there's a huge increase in the number of millionaires in the country and that 12% of us are now millionaires. Now, before anyone asks, I know I'm certainly not a millionaire. Not by an ass's roar am I a millionaire, but the number of Irish millionaires in Ireland jumped by two and a half times in the last eight years. 12% of the total number of households in the country, 223,000, have net wealth of a million or more, meaning that the value of what they own, it's just how the central bank do it. So 12% is about one in eight or one in eight and a half, but it's close to one in eight of us. So one in eight of us, one in eight people in this country, is a millionaire. Mick Barry, you want to text them. Morning.
9: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, I've been listening to your callers this morning. So we have um, a cost-of-living crisis which is pinning people to the ground. We have a record number of people in emergency accommodation. And yet the number of millionaires in the society is doubling and the government refused to countenance a wealth tax. It doesn't add up and it has to change.
5: Now, according to this piece I'm reading from the Independent, like, are these people millionaires, Like, do they have a million in cash in the AIB or the Bank of Ireland or in their revolute? Or are they sitting on it in terms of a nice house, a business that they're invested in? No, they don't have a million in the bank. A million in the bank is a lot more than a million in in what's around
9: you. Yes, that's an accurate point. Uh, The the central bank report is talking about paper millionaires. Uh, So they they are counting uh, the value of a property. And as we know, uh, many ordinary working people would be uh, living in houses whose value has shot up uh, in recent years. Uh, a more accurate way to look at the accumulation of wealth uh, is to take out people's principal primary residence. Okay, For example, it's calculated that if you were to bring in a millionaire's tax at a modest rate of 2% uh, and exclude people's principal primary residence up to a value of a million, you would still bring in nearly 6 billion euro. Those figures are from... Oxfam. And And is that that taxing cash
5: in the bank, Mick, or what's it taxing?
9: That's taxing income, uh, cash in the bank and assets minus uh, a principal primary residence. Yeah.
5: So businesses and things like vans and cars attached to a business, that kind of thing.
9: Premises. uh, It would include that, yes. So I I believe that there are 93,000 such households with a combined wealth of £388 which gives you an average of 4.2 million per household. Now I'm going to stop on the figures there because I've done enough uh, statistics. But the basic point uh, about this is that uh, even if you take houses out of the equation, which you, you should do for your for someone who owns one house, uh, there is a huge amount of private wealth there in a relatively small number of households. And the government refused to talk about a wealth tax. And this is the key point, uh, we have 11,000 people in emergency accommodation and we have the type of stories of uh, uh, hardship and real pressure that we've heard on the radio this morning. There needs to be a change and that's an important reason why there needs to be people out on the streets uh, this Saturday.
5: Mm. In terms of the people of whom you speak, uh, the, 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 the upper shelf, as it were, of society, we all know they're there and we all know they have lots of money. It's a commonly made argument, make that those are the people who create work, who create jobs for the rest of us. And if you start taxing them, they'll up and leave.
9: Well, I believe that the people who create wealth uh, in society are the people who do work, uh, as the old expression put it, uh, by hand and by brain, all right? Yeah. Uh, so without our bus drivers, we wouldn't have public transport. Uh, Without our shop workers, the retail units would be closed down. Mm -hmm, If every worker mm -hmm. in the country was to decide to stop work at 2 o'clock this afternoon for a half an hour, the country would come to a standstill, all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a situation where um, you you divide up the cake between uh, the profits and the wealth of the people at the top. Uh, and the wages uh, that go to working people, it's, it's only been going in one direction now for the best part of 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there needs to be a shift, there needs to be a change, and working people need to get their due.
5: So you would suggest that it's a 2% on everything outside of the actual family home that's worth over a million?
9: Uh, yes, and that would raise six billion euro, and you would you would uh, sort out a lot of people who are in emergency accommodation and homeless six weeks before Christmas, if you had even a, a fraction uh, of that. By the way, uh, talking about, you know, uh, people who own wealth uh, in this country, um, I, I have to take the opportunity now that I'm on to make a point about the situation facing tech workers at the moment. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the treatment, you know, the, the treatment of people
5: at Twitter last weekend was it a. It, it put, in fairness, and bad knowledge they were treated, and bad knowledge Vita Cortex were treated, it put Debenhams in the halfpenny place. What was done to people in Twitter?
9: Well, of course, the Debenhams workers uh, received their uh, notice that their jobs were gone, done, done in uh, by email, and the yeah. Twitter workers have had the same uh, experience. So. You know, you you wind the clock back 100 years ago and you remember uh, what we learned in history and Strumpet City about uh, William Martin Murphy and the treatment of workers. Yes. Uh, And, of course, you know, workers have cars today and they have homes today uh, and communicate by uh, high technology. But yet, uh, 100 years on, uh, we still have uh, industry uh, owned and controlled now by... Uh, tech billionaires who want to colonise Mars, but yes, they're prepared to do exactly the same thing and treat workers like dirt if it's in their interest to do so and if they can maximise profits. And it certainly raises the need for a debate uh, about the idea of an alternative to a capitalist society which will put profits uh, up there as king and treat working people in that way.
5: It's not not a discussion you or I are going to sort out in one go, Mick, but thank you. That's Mick Barry, Socialist Party TD for Cork North Central. What was done, to be fair, what was done um, to the workers in Twitter was appalling. So Mick Barry, Paul says, uh, Mick Barry wants to double tax people so he can appease his voters. All of it's been taxed before purchasing by the government already. Will he take a 50% cut on wages himself? Oh, I get that. So you're saying, Paul, all of the assets owned by the millionaires in our society. Mick, you're there. Yeah, um, there's Paul saying that all of the assets that are owned by the millionaires in society have already had extensive taxes paid upon them. So you want to go tax on them again? Answer that one.
9: Yeah, I'm just wondering what taxes he's referring to. For example, if we look at uh, the question of profits, right, Um, officially the corporation tax rate is headed for 15%. um, But in reality, if you break it down, uh, it's about 8% uh, at the moment. We saw what happened uh, with Apple and the Apple tax situation uh, uh, there. So about 8% on corporate uh, uh, profits. Now, the, the results came in for uh, corporate profits for the first three quarters. Yeah, uh, but there's there a recently... difference.
5: Now, hold on. I don't think Paul is referring to the big corporates. They are in what they are. I think he's referring more to the small to medium-sized industry employing 20, 30, 40 workers of whom the owner, he or her, himself or herself, have amassed quite an amount of wealth through that company. Paul's argument is they've made a, they've paid a hell of a lot of tax already to get there.
9: yeah there, there, there has been a, a not insignificant tax contribution made, although in the greater scheme of things, probably a, a lesser tax contribution than that made uh, by the people working for them uh, in terms of the tax on their wages uh, week in, week out. But ultimately, the question you have to ask yourself here is do you want to have a society which has people to the pin of their collar in a cost-of-living crisis and over 10,000 people in emergency accommodation on the one hand, at the same time as you have a society with not just millionaires, and I don't mean just paper millionaires, but billionaires as well? Uh, because I, I don't think it can square the circle and have the two things uh, at the one time, you've got to choose what kind of society you so want You and don't, you don't clear go clear along with
5: Paul's argument Mick, you don't go and uh, just tease it out Paul's argument is very strongly made that some of the wealthy people that your millionaires tax to whom it would apply some of them have already paid very large amounts of tax in getting to the status they currently hold you want to tax them again, that's what he's saying
9: Well, I mean, essentially, uh, he's right. And obviously, many of them have paid tax. Yes. Large large amounts of tax. Yeah, but uh, not, not uh, so large amounts of tax that they haven't been able to uh, accumulate a wealth of several million euros. But, but that's, uh, a lot of that and, is and also and down it's,
5: to it's, hard work and acumen and many, many hours spent building their businesses up from maybe one shelf to a shop, to, a, to two shops, to a few... Fa- you know, th- it, he makes a very valid point. A lot of the people who've made their million made it through hard graft and the sweat of their brow. So why tax it again?
9: Yeah, I'll flip the argument on its head, though, because there's an old no, saying. No, no, that, no, know, no. That- Address the argument
5: as it's made. They've, they've, they they paid a lot of tax through this, and we're not talking about the Elon Musk's of this world. And I will agree with Paul here. It's unfair to, you know, mix John Murphy of Murphy's Flooring and Tiles, which is a fictional company I just made up. It's a lot. It's wrong to mix him up in the same basket as Elon Musk.
9: Yes, there is a, 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 a big and an important difference uh, between the two, right? Uh, and But your system I, would
5: penalise both.
9: The system that I advocate for, which is a democratic socialist uh, society, uh, would ultimately mean that uh, the big major companies uh, would be taken out of private hands uh, Never going to happen. Make you know
5: that. Never going to happen.
9: No, <laughs> no, uh, no, well, no, I, no
5: one's ever going to nationalize that Apple. Do you know what I mean? Not going to happen.
9: The, the, I, I'm I'm not talking about one specific company, no, uh, PJ. But, I'm, ta- I'm No, but no. If you can let me make my point here, I'm trying to make to answer your question about Elon Musk and and John Murphy. Okay. Yeah. So, the basically uh, a socialist point of view would be that the major companies in society would be taken out of private hands and into public ownership, democratically controlled uh, by workers and consumers and run for the uh, needs of ordinary people rather than the Mick, profits of a few. Never going to happen, think,
5: Mick, you yeah, know that. Never going to well, happen.
9: We can, we can debate that, PJ, but that's what socialists stand for. Oh, I know and that. On the issue of uh, a small or a medium-sized business, uh, socialists would not argue... Uh, for that in relation to small and medium-sized businesses. But what we would argue is that they should pay minimum wages uh, and they should pay a reasonable amount of tax to uh, a society, and that's the socialist position.
5: Yeah. Yeah, but they already do, is to the point that Paul is making. They already have done. And, in, and in, in amassing their success, they've already paid a ton of tax. And in putting another 2% on them, you're double-taxing them.
9: Well, if they're up over a million in terms of personal wealth, I would make no apologies for doing that, especially at a time when we need to uh, focus financial firepower uh, on tackling homelessness in our society and the cost of living crisis for ordinary people. People who don't agree with that point, um, you know, that's their, their point of view. Maybe people who do, I'll see them on Saturday.
5: Okay. Okay, Mick. Thank you very much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I think Mick is a little bit annoyed with Paul there, but look, you know what? Every argument deserves to have a hole picked in it, no matter whose argument it is. Thanks, Mick. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm, I'm, I, he's at this for the last ten years. I'm a landlord. For every hundred euro comes into us, we pay out forty five in taxes. He's targeting people who something who want something. Society needs a middle class to develop things. Look at the jazz festival for example I'm not too sure what you mean by look at the jazz festival oh right, that people oh I, I got you people of a certain income level the, the spending on the jazz festival yeah, got you, got you, got you thanks for that Caroline, what about PAYE on paper we get a lot of money but it's taxed and we have to go to work and go to work in a certain way and it's not easy it's not like the money can be spent in any way you want now, fair juice to him. He's saying millionaires, but how do you define that property? You can still be cash poor. It could even include pension pots or small businesses with goodwill valuations. It could be okay, but I'd be very wary of what he's talking about. Oh, listen, don't don't start me on on, on paye, Caroline. Uh, my monthly mugging at the behest of the revenue commissioners. I can tell you. I could talk to you all about it. The
2: Quartz 96 FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K toy
1: giveaway is back.
2: got, got, got a pocket full of cash we can blow up. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free.
1: Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long from Monday, November
2: 14th for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. The
1: Courts 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway.
2: Listen and win from next Monday. Only
1: on Courts 96 FM. The lines are live.
2: And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96,
1: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
2: On Cork's 96FM.
5: Some people asking us about that meeting in Kinsale last night to do with the 226 post, the two... The Kinsale bus through the airport and all the problems with the Fix the 226 campaign. We we got uh, some notes on on how it went. I'll bring you them uh, before we finish. Not a whole lot coming out of that meeting, except for the fact, as he said yesterday on the programme here, Damien did, West Cork Connects have a licence to operate it and could take it up tomorrow. Except for one problem. They can't stop in Ballonhasic. They've been told by the council that, yeah, there's a stop there, or there will be a stop there. That's where you can put a stop, but there isn't a stop. So they can't stop at a stop where there isn't a stop. So they can't run, they can't start the run. The other alternative would be to start without going through Ballonhasek. That all came up last night at the meeting. I'll bring you some of the notes we got from it a little bit later. Also on a matter of transport, and just a shout-out to a good friend here, Uh, a man called Ciarán Delaney who is a great and tireless advocate for just the general community of disability and autism and other such things you will have seen in the news or heard in the news where Ian Roderan are bringing back the quiet carriage on the Cork Dublin train to start and possibly ...moving to the rest of the network in the fullness of time. The Quiet Carriage, Carriage G, where the announcements are turned off... ...and generally it's just a, a carriage set aside for people... who, ...for whom the, the noise and the, the sensory activity on board a train... ...is just too much for them to take and it makes travelling uncomfortable. Well the Emerald Aaron has said they're bringing it back on the Cork Dublin train credit where it's due one of those people who have been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and not has not stopped pushing for that has been my good pal Ciarán Delaney so good good man well done with that one also some sad news came through yesterday with the uh, news of the passing of Michael Bresnan of Bresnan's Butchers, Bresnan's Butchers in the English market. The name Bresnan synonymous in Cork with great meat and great cuts of meat for generations now. And sad to hear the passing of Michael Bresnan and our thoughts with his family and many, many friends. Let us go back to a point that Kate made earlier in the first hour where she suggested that carveries for pubs and hotel bars and stuff like that, that they've got a pile of stuff left over at the end of lunchtime or dinner time service. And why could you not just pack that up and give it to the homeless? Which sounds like a great idea. Finn, you worked in the, the catering business and the food game for years, and you've also worked as a, a volunteer with the homeless over the years. Can what Kate suggests be done
3: morning? Good morning, Peter. How are you? Yes, um, in in, in a perfect situation, yes. Um, But you must remember that a lot of the hotels um, already do give their services to the homeless in the sense that they're sitting down for a meal, they'll get involved and do it that way. There's two points I'd like to make on that. And the first point is because of the cost of everything going up now and, you know, the the cost of meat going through the roof and even potatoes and vegetables, Um, there's very little left over in the carvery because any chef worth his salt will be marking down to the absolute slice, what he's got left, so there's no wastage. But on the other side of it is is that if somebody gives you a takeaway with a takeaway license they're more or less covered. Now, if you notice, there's signs going up since the pandemic. Uh, it's been around in every garage, every filling station. Any food purchase hot be eaten within 30 minutes. Refrigerate for a day. There's practically only cooking instructions how to reheat them. So you're opening up a legal loophole. And I know people are going to say that's a bit, um, you know, um, tin foil brigade stuff. But it's not because somebody will eventually down the road say, right, I've got this meal. I'm not going to eat it today. They could have been, the meat could have been cooked on the Saturday, reheated or regen on the Sunday, they got it on the Monday or a Tuesday, and that's five days. So it's it's technically in the laws of, in the eyes of the law with the food safety out of date. So it has to be binned. So perfect idea if somebody has a charity and they say, Right, I've got six people in a house in wherever and they need a meal and they contact the the, the businesses direct at the, at the business i.e. like Brian did it in the Briar Rose yeah. I know Owen does it in the beer garden if somebody says I, I need some money or I need some food they say right get someone to collect it at 3 o'clock because they know they're going to be eating it at half plus past 3 yes. if you understand what I'm saying I so wrapping the joints of beef at the end of the day it takes 90 minutes for them to cool down by law then they have to be refrigerated then you have to take them out, and then you have to probe them back up to the the, the, the serving temperature again. So it's a, it's a, it's a ticking time bomb and a minefield for any chef that's going to risk letting some food be taken off his premises that he has responsibility of for, and handing it over to somebody to take responsibility for it. Because at the end of the day, the paper trail leads back to PJ Coogan. At ninety six, of gave me this.
5: So it really is a case of and. It's one of the most annoying phrases we ever hear, and you've, t- you've heard me going on about it, Finn. It's not as simple as that. In this case, it genuinely isn't.
3: It never was simple, PJ. and, and That's the thing. That's what people forget, but the, the, the takeaway business is so thriving, and people get takeaway meals. Because I know years ago, if you went to a restaurant, and you were, just for toxic heading to a show or something, and you were wanting to take the rest of the rain if the waiter or waitress had time, they had to get you to sign a disclaimer to say that you took the food from the premises and it was now your responsibility. So it's a perfect scenario if somebody in the charity, like I know people have helped Katrina, they've helped uh, other charities, Brian and the Briar Rose is absolutely fantastic for it. In the sense that if somebody was stuck, he'd say, right, I'm going to actually, he goes out of his way and gets it delivered to the yeah. house knowing that it's a hot piping hot meal cooked by his hands that's been eaten within the time that it hit the house not two or three days later right. and yes I do see that I have to go to a charity and they need something but if they're going to go down the road of, of trying to help somebody feed somebody on Christmas day or St Stephen's Day or whatever day of the week it is now, because they're all rolling into one another anyway, if they could arrange directly with the premises Again, i use the Briar Rose as as, as, as a, um, um, an example. Yeah. They could go there and say, right, okay, I've got six people. If the, the management of the Briar Rose agree with it or the beer Gardener, whatever it may be, they say, right, you know what? Yeah, perfect. Have it ready by three o'clock. There'll be somebody there to collect it. And that takes away that gap from cl- cooling the food down, reheating it. Because let's face it, you, you put, touched on this a few weeks ago about um, those air fryers and microwaves. Buying a centra meal out of centra, wrapped up in a, in the in the packaging, and taking home and reheat it, the spuds are roasting, the meat's still cold. So it they, they, it's not easy just to stick it in the microwave and forget about it. That's not cooking, as, and you well know, I would always say that to you.
5: Yeah, well, it's funny those ready meals, and they're very very handy, but I wouldn't microwave them. I put them in the oven for twenty
3: minutes. Yes, but but okay, but if somebody
5: then they're piping hot.
3: Fair fair point, but if somebody is struggling to heat heat their house and turn on the oven and they're they're relying on a charge to get takeaway, they're not going to stick it in an oven because that's going to cost them money. They're going to stick it through the microwave. Whereas if, if, if the onus of responsibility is taken off them and a piping hot meal turns up, and don't get me wrong, Katrina Toomey does it, Brian does it, Owen does it in the beer garden, they all do it, but the onus of responsibility then to the the person to enjoy the meal, not to go through the, am I going to get sick? You know, and people have salmon left over. How can you reheat? How many times can you reheat reheat fish? You know, and that's the problem and that there is going to be one day down the road and touch wood, I hope it doesn't happen uh, anytime soon that somebody's going to get food poisoning because the food hadn't got traceability back to when it was actually cooked and cooled down regenerated and then cooled down again and that's where, the, that's where the minefield happens. There
5: you go, and Finn, I should remind people Finn, you are a chef, you did work and you mentioned the byros so much, you did work there for a while so you understand mm-hmm. the business better, better than most, thank you very much uh, 0818969696 he, he knows what he's talking about it isn't as simple as lobbing it into bowls or, or, or boxes or trays, it's it's not unfortunately as simple as that. There's a bunch of health and safety stuff going with it. There's things like HACCP and safe preparation and safe storage and the whole lot. And there are booklets, thick, thick books of safety rules that you have to go through. And the point he's making is, yeah, wonderful idea, Kate. Brilliant idea. And a lot of people are already doing it to the extent to which they can do it. Well, there's so many complex rules In how you handle cooked food Good point, thanks Finn 0818 96, 96 96 We have all been there Sitting at a concert Or at the cinema Or at a play Trying to enjoy what's happening on stage Or on the screen And there's some Gowl Talking Incessantly Two rows behind It would drive you Bonkers. We've all had it. Journalist Philip Nolan has been tweeting about it. And I'll talk to him next. 0818 96 96 96. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner.
1: Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Rubble, Corks 96 FM.
5: So, Philip, you went to see Kevin Bridges, the comedian, at the Three Arena and you literally, like, couldn't enjoy it. Good morning.
10: Good morning. No, I couldn't. Um, two different sets of people right behind me um, basically were talking throughout most of the gig. In fact, it was worse during the Support Act, um, Carl Spain. Uh, and it's just so ignorant, not just to the person who's actually sitting near you, but also to the the, the person on stage. You know what I mean? It must be terrifying to go out in front of 9,000 people. And the one thing you would like to see, I'm sure, is attention and, and not distractions.
5: People will tell you I pays me money, and I can do what I want. Yeah, you know,
10: something that's an, that's an attitude that's on the on the increase, definitely. I mean, I it's I have noticed this before the pandemic. I think it's got worse since. But like, I've been to shows and the board. Gosh, um, I was at uh, I was at Motown the musical once, and I was in the front row on the upper tier, so there's kind of a ledge in front of you and two of them beside me took out a picnic <laughs> and laid it out on the ledge yeah, and like nice. I'm talking about like sandwiches and foil and a flask of tea and rustling bags of crisps and sweets and I just don't understand the mentality of anybody who
5: would do that and think it's acceptable Yeah. A couple of weeks ago I was at a cinema show with my son <laughs> and there was people but four rows behind us never shot up for the entire
11: hour and a half
10: and I mean, I think it's ridiculous. And you know, we we're old enough to remember when there was an usher or an usherette, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the cinema. And if you spoke a word, somebody came down the aisle with the torch and shone it in your face. And like two strikes, and you were out. It wasn't it wasn't three. Um, if you didn't stop talking, you were thrown out of the cinema. And nowadays, it's not only talking, but like to the side of your eye, you can see people in the cinema, especially checking their mobile phones. Thankfully my local cin- cinema seems to have a jammer. You know, you can't get a signal inside the actual um, auditoriums and I think more people should do that.
5: Yeah, two rows down from you, guy quietly checking his message in the corner, doesn't realize he's lighting up the two rows behind him anyway.
10: no, well, he doesn't and if you say this unfortunately you always get the thing of well you know uh, I've got children at home and there's a babysitter and I have to keep the phone on or I have to keep checking or whatever and you know that's fair enough but like most people do it so often you have to think that it's it's not just that you know what I mean they're definitely just looking at messages.
5: Come back to Mr. Bridges, and not a man short of words for no. a heckler or a troublemaker. Did he say anything?
10: No, I mean in fairness, I, for him, I, I suspect that it wasn't really an issue for him because I was quite far back in the uh, in the three arena, and certainly the audience down front seems to be a great deal more attentive. I think that for some people, maybe you know, maybe it's the first time they've been out. Um, you know, since everything started up again and maybe they haven't seen that friend for a long time. But honestly, would you not just make an arrangement to meet in the pub or go to the house beforehand or just not go to a gig at all and just have the chat? Yeah. I just don't understand why people have to do this Bully.
5: You touched on that thing about how people seem to have changed. People are a bit angrier and a bit. Do you think that there's an element of that out there, that the pandemic has changed us a bit in our attitude?
10: yes I do because like I, I tweeted this and uh, you know you get that stock response oh you know that's a first world problem but it's not I mean I paid 51.50 for the ticket and that's not an insubstantial amount of money nowadays and you know, when I go to a gig and pay 51.50 I expect to hear the person on the stage I don't want to be listening to people who are sitting around me and they presumably paid it as well and I just don't understand why you would pay that sort of money just to not actually enjoy the event you're at mm.
5: I was at a gig one time when an artist actually stopped in the middle of a song and said, it's a quiet song, can we please have a bit of attention here? And point it directly down to roll three.
10: I have been at gigs where people actually stopped the act as well. The one thing I think is that it's even worse, it appears to be a particularly big problem nowadays in live theatre. And yeah. whatever, about, you know, going to a musical where the sound of, you know, the orchestra on stage or whatever might drown it out. For somebody who's on stage, maybe, you know, delivering this soliloquy by himself or herself, that must be, like, really, really distracting when you're trying to remember your lines and you see somebody on the phone or two people having a chat. I just don't get it.
5: You remind me of one funny story to finish, Philip. I was actually at the theatre one night and, like that now, quiet, a quiet moment, an intense moment in the plot, and there's a guy snoring Oh, Sound God. asleep, three rows back.
10: For, for a performer, that must be the ultimate nightmare, in fairness. I mean, you would hate it, wouldn't you, to actually have to try and remember a line and, and listen to
5: a snore. <laughs> God <love him. laughs> Thanks, Philip. We'll talk again. Good morning, PJ. Cheers. Uh, yeah, Philip Nolan from the Irish Daily Mail. Uh, he's right, though, isn't he? Like, why would you pay 50-odd quid for a gig, like, go see someone like Kevin Bridges and chat away mad yourself? Like, Kevin Bridges is so funny. You will not have time to draw breath. How you have time to hold a full conversation. I really have no idea. But why would you waste your money and, and, and not enjoy the gig you've come to see? Not concentrate, like. Why, why would you... Or focus on the stage, at least. It's different if it's a big, loud rock and roll show. Like, I was at the Marquis last summer at the Pet Shop Boys, for example, just one of the gigs I went to. And, like, that was a big, like, disco New wave disco from the eighties. It was great nice. People chatting and talking all around. That was okay. For a comedy gig, like then the end. Of the following week, I was at Darrow Brian, and I was at Darrow Brian at the at the marquee, and like people chatting all around me. And you're going, just you shut up! Like, listen to the flipping show. Oh wait, one eight. 96. 96, 96. Marion got on to us. Marion Caulfield was one of the organizers of that meeting last night in Kinsale to do with the two twenty six bus. And it was quite well attended from what we hear. She just gave us an update earlier this morning. It seems Bus Aaron only have a license for an hourly service. They can't do a half hourly one. They can send the odd double decker bus, but that's about the size of it. They can't move the stop in Clontarf Street or build a shelter. No explanation as to why. The only hope for getting a decent bus service is the bus connects. And we talked to Damien yesterday. They could start a half-hour service tomorrow. But they don't have a bus stop in Ballonhasig because they can't get the council to put in a stop and paint bus on the road. Now, this is, as Damien said to me, this is even though the council have said, yes, we... There would be a stop there, and that's where the stop would be, Where there to be a stop there. They've even marked on a map where it would be, but still not there. If they stop there without an official stop, they could lose their licence, so they can't do that. So one bus stop is holding the whole thing up. Yeah. The solution, surely, is get that bus stop put in at but nobody seems to want to do it. The county county council don't seem to want to do it. They're all passing the book back and forth. In the meantime, and Marion attaches a picture of people just saturated, saturated by that temporary bus stop in the Clontarf Street area. So that meeting last night seems to have been quite successful in terms of attendance, but not a whole lot coming out of it.
1: The, the 10K Toy Giveaway. Fill your Christmas with fun and play. On Cork's 96FM.
10: full of cash we can blow up.
5: Yep, it's back. From next Monday, loads and loads of 500 euro shopping sprees, toy shopping sprees. You're listening all day long from Monday, November 14th. Listening out for your chance to text or WhatsApp to win. It's part of the Cork's 96 of M 10K toy giveaway. You're listening and you're winning from next Monday. Fill your Christmas with fun and play only on Cork's 96FM. Just go back to food and different angle, right? And whether you can give out food to people, hot food, is it as easy as... And Finn says, no, it's not. But on a different thing to do with food, I see it comes up from time to time. Where was I recently? I won't say where. Probably best not to. I was in a, a restaurant recently having a bite and my, my starter came out on a slate. Uh, no, it was lovely. The food was lovely, and well, but it came out on a bit of a slate. And someone else put up a picture recently on my Instagram of someone th- their dinner was served on a ceramic tile, which is fine. But it was poached eggs, lads, like eggs with legs. I think I think someone got eggs Benedict on a on a on a ceramic tile. Like they're going to go everywhere. But there's a big craze. For Anthony, Anthony, look not a craze it's going on.
12: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage.
5: for ages, but slates, tiles, a fry served on a shovel. It was a great Reddit thread, and there was another link within that to some of the bizarre ones. Some of the maddest things, this was a seriously posh restaurant, this wasn't your commoner garden. The chef had some kind of special palate cleanser, these things that they used to serve between courses. And it was served, I kid you not, in a plaster cast sort of cup thing. It was a plaster cast of the chef's own lips. I'm not making this up. It's there, I could see it. And they used to pour this palate cleanse and you were expected to yuck like. But I'd love to know why they started ever doing it. Serving food on on slates. Like why would you give someone their breakfast on a slate or a a ceramic floor tile or the latest one I was a chopping board little small chopping boards that you'd have in the kitchen and they put your dinner on it why like what's the point I know it probably looks nice or uh, uh, did, did I see shepherd's pie shepherd's pie served in a pint pot good lord what's the maddest thing you've ever seen the queerest way you've ever been served your food. Let me know. 0818969696. Now, IKEA, I've only ever been there a few times. I've required counselling on each occasion. It is not for the faint hearted. A visit to IKEA. It's brilliant. They have like everything. But, God, it's not for the faint hearted. A visit to IKEA. But there's a piece in the sun where they say that here in Ireland, we are paying far more for the same things in Ikea than our friends in Germany and the Sun did a survey of various things like a reader microwave it's 59 euro in Ikea in Germany it's, seven, it's 99 euro in Ikea in Dublin a coffee table that they sell in Germany at 29.99 is 50 euro here. A rather expensive um, coffee, you know. And the list goes on. A, book, a bookcase, a bookcase that sells here for 229 euro is 189 in Germany. A candle holder that costs a tenner here is nine in Germany. Niamh Anderson, Niamh, you went on a shopping spree in Ikea.
13: I did, PJ. Good and morning. This, um,
5: and this is this is your report. Like <laughs> it is. What's
2: their I never need an
13: excuse. I never need an excuse to go to IKEA, but this definitely piqued my interest and I thought I should go along and have a look. Actually an Irish Sun reader contacted us and said, Is it my imagination or have prices gone up in IKEA? So we looked into it and sure enough, they really have. And it's quite startling. The microwave that you mentioned, for example, is 59 euro in Germany. That's 99 euro in Ireland. But that same microwave was actually 49 euro in Ireland last year. So it's not only more expensive than it is in Germany, but it's actually double the cost of what it was just last year. And it's quite startling. I mean, there are a few things that people go to. Ikea, yeah, there's a few basic items that probably every house in Ireland almost has. That coffee table, for example, the Lack coffee table. It's a very plain one. Um, and that one, like you said, is almost double. In fact, it's more than double. It's 66% more than what German customers are paying. So I, I was quite startled. I, I mean... Nothing surprises me these days because everything is going up, petrol, food, rent, electricity, everything, you name it, is going up. But to find that some products were 70% more than in other countries, EU countries particularly, that didn't sit very well with us. So yeah. uh, we were quite surprised.
5: You, you, you did eight items and it came to just over €1,680. Euro. The same mm. eight in Germany would be just over €1,200. Euro
13: that's right so 37% more if we were to go and do that nice big shopping list all together in Germany it would cost us 37% more what's IT's Uh, explanation for this Well, (laughs) they had one, as you can imagine, they sent screeds of information to us. But really the crux of it was the local market, local market conditions. Um, So IKEA had actually um, released a a statement recently saying that prices have gone up globally. They've gone up 80% globally. And they actually blame a variety of factors, which we all know are causing things to go up, like the cost of raw materials, transport costs, the war in Ukraine, the list is endless. But their particular thing, was that IKEA don't set prices globally. They actually are set by the local market, the local management. So that was kind of interesting. I thought that was quite um, eye-opening. And that so, sounds to and me, and, uh,
5: naive, like like uh, corporate speak for, well, they'll pay it anyway.
13: <laughs> well, that's it exactly. And so I spoke to an economist, Rory O'Farrell. He's very knowledgeable. He's from TU Dublin. And he told me that exact thing. If customers, if they think that customers are going to pay a price, then they will charge that price it's simple I think it's quite simple business sense Um, but it's unfortunate that the consumers are getting the raw end of the stick
5: yeah yeah because you can't put that kind of a gap down to transport even in the middle of a war you can't like
13: no, you absolutely cannot. Seventy percent is is inexcusable in my in my opinion. If you brought if you took in uh, into account all of those things. Now Rory did mention to me that Ireland generally is more expensive for goods, and unfortunately it does come down to the fact that we're an island. and we're not just an island. We're an island on the edge of the EU, uh, which is the the end of the distribution chain. It makes sense if if you know a lorry might bring a load of sofas from Germany to France, and that transport cost is going to be less than if a uh, ferry has to cross the border and go across to Ireland with those same sofas. It does make sense but it doesn't account for a 70% increase and that's according to Rory who knows what he's talking about. He's an economist and he told me that it just doesn't make sense. It's the, not fair and unfortunately that's just the way of the way of the world. The we have B, the B
5: word kids. hasn't come up in our conversation yet Neve. Brexit. No. Any chance of blaming this on Brexit because the way, um, they're blaming the weather on Brexit if they can blame Anthony on Brexit like...
13: Well, look, Brexit does have a part to play, uh, and uh, and Rory did explain that to me. It's multifaceted, this issue. Uh, Brexit, uh, COVID, obviously, all of these things kind of have created this perfect storm. So Rory explained it to me in that when uh, the likes of Debenhams and the likes of uh, UK distributors kind of pulled out of the market or actually just went under altogether, when they left Ireland, there wasn't this big influx of European, other kind of European retailers or, or British retailers to take their place. So therefore, our competition is now the like the choice is smaller for the consumer. So therefore, IKEA can charge whatever they want because no one else is really out there that kind of does the same, with the exception. Now, there are a few furniture shops coming into Ireland, and not just furniture, but goods in general, from Europe. Um Jisk, for example, is a Danish furniture shop. Yeah. They came into Ireland, I think, in 2019, and they are expanding. And so hopefully with the likes of those coming in and various other European retailers, mm-hmm. we will start to get a little bit more choice, and we won't be forced to go to Ikea to go to all the things yeah. and buy the things that we want to buy. But look, nobody minds going to Ikea, unless yeah. it's
5: it's a Sunday. <laughs> or, or they're not serving the meatballs.
13: Yeah, that's right, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
5: <laughs> Niamh, thank you very much, Neave Anderson, from uh, the Irish Sun. The bottom line, when you drill it down, and look, as I said, I've only been to IKEA a couple of times, I needed counselling each time, it's, it's not my thing, I'd rather buy online from them, and
2: oh, the
5: thoughts of a flat pack. The th- I remember mean, when we were doing some work on, on the Umflet's Room, a lot of it came out of flat packs and we bought it from IKEA and it came and Ah God. Oh, no. But they're charging it because lads, we'll pay it. Simple as. That's the economic take from all of this. They charge it. <laughs> Because we'll pay it. And Amazon, too, according to Valerie. I, I, yeah, I'll take the break. Valerie sent a voice note in. Uh, she reckons that Amazon is at the, at the same crack hear that next.
1: Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM.
2: Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael
14: with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Coming up this month at Triscoll, you can catch the Longing Trio concert on Friday the 18th, while on Thursday the 24th, Moira Carroll plays glass at the Quiet Lights Festival. On the 25th, Patrick Rafter and Sam Perkin present a Music Network resonant performance, and on Saturday the 26th, the Marmon Quartet play as part of the Autumn String Quartet series. Access all areas. Controversial Scottish satirist and comedian Frankie Boyle is set to bring his lap of shame show to Cork Opera House in the new year when he plays the venue on Thursday, March 23rd. Tickets are on sale now from the venue's box office and from corkoperahouse.ie.
1: Access All
14: Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at AAA at 96FM.ie Access All Areas. Your God.
1: Tonight
2: nightlife on side On Quark's 96 FM.
5: Had a really, really interesting note, which I will read in a while. It's a message, lengthy message that came in on tax and homelessness and what Mink Barry was saying about wealth tax. I'll get to that in a while. It's a new take on it. It's a new take. I'll read it in a bit. But staying with the IKEA and the prices here compared to the prices in Germany. Val sent in this voice note on 083 396
4: 96 96. PJ, just listening to there about Ikea. Um, Yeah, do you know, as well as that, the German Amazon, um, Amazon D, Amazon.de. My son discovered it, I I wouldn't have known. He buys uh, stuff for his computer cheaper. It's way cheaper on Amazon D because some of the things they don't deliver to Ireland in the Amazon UK But, um, yeah, just another idea. So if we're ordering anything from Amazon, we order from Amazon D, the German
5: one. I've been doing it, Val, since Brexit, Amazon D-E, because you're in the EU. If you want to get something from Amazon now in the UK, sometimes they'll charge you almost as much as the item is worth, again, to send it here. I was looking for a particular gift for someone for Christmas recently, and I went to the UK Amazon and shipping it, I'd have got a small car here for what Elon Musk or that's his name, Jeff Bezos wanted to charge me to ship it but that's all the Brexit nonsense coming from Amazon Germany Amazon DE who have an English language site it is much cheaper, it's cheaper to buy them and cheaper cheaper to ship them, thanks for that Val. Now some stuff they won't ship from Germany but you're right, you're completely right I've been using Amazon Germany since since just after Brexit happened In 2020 I was on holidays in, in Northern Ireland and I read a book while I was there written by Lyra McKee um, of course Lyra, you'll know the name she, she died, she was murdered uh, in the midst of a riot in the Craigan area in Derry in 2019 it was a horrific incident and shocking and I'd heard her name everybody in journalism had heard the name of Lyra McKee and written or maybe read one or two of her articles and come across her name she was an upcoming young star of journalism Brilliant, brilliant talent. It was only when I sat down with a book called *Lost, Found, Remembered*, Larry McKee in her own words, and read it on my holidays, actually in Northern Ireland, in in 2020, that I got. I, I just got a. a, a blown away by the girl's talent and brilliance as a writer and 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 sitting reading it in her native place in northern ireland it was one of the most incredible experiences i've ever had as a reader of books there's now a documentary which i can't wait to see and it's made by not just a documentary maker of renown but also alison miller i think it's fair to say <laughs> you were a, a close friend of of Lear's. good morning
15: Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I was. Um, I first met Lea in about 2008. She was about 16. And um, I was filming in a rape crisis centre in Belfast. And this young woman was sort of rattling around the centre. I remember saying to her, excuse me, are you on a school placement? And she said, no, no, I'm Lea McKay. I've just won Sky Young Journalist of the Year Award. And I was like, oh, okay," because she always looked so young. You know, she always looked like a wee... Young girl. She was kind of incredibly young, and that sometimes that was great, and sometimes she'd get really annoyed about it. Mm. <laughs> but she, um yeah, she was amazing, amazing person. She was a good friend. Yeah.
5: That that book I read called Lost, Found, Remembered was a collection published after her death, and I just, yeah. I learned more from that little book and yeah. the, the thinking of this young woman. About, I learned more in that couple of hundred pages about Northern Ireland than I think I'd learned in 30 years as a journalist.
15: Well, I think that was her amazing talent and it's any wonder that Faber had picked her up for a two-book deal, you know, before she was killed. Yeah. She really had a special... Take on on the north and on the conflict and what else was happening after the conflict, yeah. you know the the sort of you know the dark shadows of what was left behind. Um, she wrote as a ceasefire baby an expression that she created, and I think that's why you know she had such a young and incredibly exciting take on on old stories that actually hadn't been finished properly.
5: Absolutely. Now you've made this documentary. In memory yes. of your friend, with the complete cooperation of all of her family, and it comes—it's—it's it's out now. It's—it's—it's it's, it's in cinemas. Uh, a labour yeah, of love or cinema. a tough job of work, Alison?
15: Um, I think both because I think the labour of love was because we all, everyone who made the film, loved her so much. But also tough because it was tough to know what to leave out because actually the film. I hope, well, what I'm told, we were very lucky. We won the Audience Award in Cork last year, which was a real honour. And the film has been on festival circuits, but as you say, now it's in local cinemas in Cork now today. But um, I think what people have been telling me, the feedback I've been getting is that just the way you experienced that by reading the book... Through the film, we follow some of her investigations and we get really close to her because she narrates the film in her own words. Mm. We were very lucky to find dictaphone and voice recordings. So we were able to bring the audience Lyra mm. w- w- in her own written word and her voice. Yeah. So people tell me they leave the cinema feeling incredibly uh, rewarded by spending so much time with her. And also they've learned a lot about the North, mm. which is which is great because... um you know, it's, it's not easy to understand always what happens up yeah. here.
5: Like she, yeah. she, she, she was a, a stunningly gifted writer, but the beauty of it was she also left so much of her voice recorded, so she narrates the film.
15: She does. She, you know, I worked with an amazing editor who was up for an Oscar and stuff the year before, who was due to meet Lyra here at my house the next night. Because we were going to have dinner with Anna Burns and Dara McIntyre, some friends of mine. And then I got a message from her um, later that day saying, oh, will you make me some lasagna? And I went, Yes, of course, my darling. And then the next message was about midnight that night from her partner, Sarah, saying Lyra's been shot. I haven't got time to talk too much, but will you help us deal with the media and stuff? Because it hasn't broken the news. Yeah. And um, I think after that, the family and Sarah and I all decided that we wanted her words, her written and her spoken word to continue. We didn't want her voice to, be. we didn't want to lose her. We wanted the world to know about this wonderful 29-year-old woman who was so special and so talented, you know, and so funny.
5: Yeah, well. yeah, she 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 can make you laugh and make you cry in a paragraph.
15: Yes, yeah, she can. She can because she she's a great turn of phrase, you know, with um, some of her writing. And I think we tried. We definitely wanted that to come across in the film that yeah. you can really get a sense of that too. So, um, so no, I'm really thrilled that it's in cinemas all over Ireland, and it is a massive moment for us because we're bringing a whole new. You know, group of people to Lear, a bit like yourself, finding that book. We really wanted people to it find it. It was actually
5: her. sent to me by the publishers, and I thought, right, I'm going, I'm actually going on holidays now to the north, a place yes. I hadn't been since I was a child.
2: Yeah. And I yeah.
5: read it while I was there, and to read her history in her place, yeah. in her words, was just awe inspiring. She- she's a real inspiration to young people particularly young women wanting to go into journalism and into field reporting and getting out there into the thick of it because that's what she did
15: completely i mean she was born in uh, in ardoyne in in the north in a, a very tough area brought up by a single parent family in a working class place and she is i think her you know her drive and her ambition her determination is an inspiration to so many people you know if you want to do it just you go do it don't let anyone stand in your way and I think that when you leave watching the film, people say they're really inspired, they're going to really do it. So it gives a massive... Th- you know, there's a message of great hope. Mm. And I think that's that's what's so lovely about Lyra. She was that sort of person. Mm. She didn't see barriers, and she didn't see... She zigzagged every part of the community. Yeah. She was kind of
5: the force of nature. The term ceasefire baby, the term that she coined... Yes. That That actually stands up and said that describes a whole generation of, of young people in the north and she touched on that in a way, these were kids born as the troubles were changing, not coming to an end but as they were changing and the ceasefire came as they were going to school and going to play school and three, four yeah. years old, that changed their entire lives, the path of their entire lives and she writes so well about that she does
15: i mean i think i think we look at now and we look at we're coming up to the 25th anniversary of the good friday agreement next year but the hope and the dreams and the promises that were made to that generation it's like there's a duty to fulfill those because Mm. so many young people on our whole island what do they want they want jobs they want money they want hope they want to to follow their dreams and that's what leah wrote about and i think she was someone who had you know, she'd mastered all that she was following her dreams and was certainly before before that happened at the top of her career, you know ready to go, oh,
5: you know, ready to go. I, in, my, in my mind she was only starting because I was only thinking about it when I was reading about the documentary, I, I, I've only seen clips at, at this stage Alison, so forgive me there, yes. but I can't wait to sit down and see the whole thing, but you know what, as someone who really only read her work after she died, I would we are going to miss so much aren't we, next April when we don't have an opportunity to read what she would write and listen to what she would say on the twenty-five years since Good Friday,
15: I know, I know, and I think the thing is that she was given a voice to those young people in those areas that were p- perhaps maybe slightly led astray or maybe lost and looked upon the the violent past as you know something that was you know what was that about? She was really there, writing about them, and holding their hands, and saying, look. We need to move on. This yeah. is not the way forward. And I think that is something that I feel, you know, we really get a message. I've had lots of young people come to see the film and be really inspired and and all generations actually to be honest. But I think it's it's spending time with her watching the film yeah. is amazing. So we're really thrilled that people will have the chance to yeah. for the next few days or whatever, go and see her while she's in the cinema. But She's yeah, and and buy a book and read about her because
5: yeah. I know the the, message she, of the touched, Cease- she clearly
15: touched you as well. Absolutely, like the, the
5: the the <laughs> message of the ceasefire babies was really kind of you know we were born in the middle of this. We had no control over this. We want lives. We want careers. We want relationships, and 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 we're owed that, and we're entitled to it. Very strongly, she yeah. wrote about that. Yeah.
15: Yeah, she did. She often wrote as well about she some great expressions like, brick walls aren't made to keep you out. They're made to see how badly you want it. And I often thought that when I was making the film, myself my team, whenever we had to you know, fundraise or do things to get this far, it was, come on, everybody, brick walls aren't made to keep you out. How badly do we want this? So there's loads of expressions that, you know, even on the days when you think, I don't know what I'm doing, I think that she's a real you know, inspiration to say, come on, you can do it. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up. No, you no, know,
5: The film is out at the moment and uh, it hopefully it'll, people will get, to, will get to see it in huge numbers. It's won number of awards already. Congratulations on that, Alison. Thank and you so much. And I know working in memory of a dear friend must be hard.
15: It is hard, but it's so, it's hard because we all miss her so much. But at the same time, to know that, Audiences can go to the cinema, and you know, next year I'll be on Channel Four at some point. But it's lovely. The cinema is a great expression because you can actually sit and say to someone, "Actually, oh, isn't that lovely?" Or it's, you can laugh with people. You can yeah. enjoy an experience. So, so thank you, Cork, for um, for for taking it on down there and showing it. And I'm really thrilled, thank you so much everybody will go and see
5: it Thanks for being with me today Alison Miller, the maker of Lyra a new documentary, get to see that and can I recommend to anybody uh, you'll pick it up in any good bookshop Lyra McKee, in her own words the small book, little hardback book lost, found, remembered Uh, if you thought you understood or had a take of your own on the history of the North since the ceasefire you ain't seen nothing until so you read that girl's book,
2: the Cork Diary on Corks
5: 96 FM.
2: The Cork Diary is a free service, so if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Cork Diary at 96FM.ie. The Cork Diary with corksimon.ie No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day. On Corks
1: 96 FM
5: Thank you to Alison. Got on to say that Lyra will be screened at the Gate Cinema tonight. Half is four today and quarter to nine tonight. It's also on Thursday. And just check listings for those particular days. Yeah, the Gate, i got to hand it to to the Gate uh, in North Gate Bridge there. They've got a fabulous website uh, and really easy to get in and find out what's on, when it's on, what screen it's on. And book, it's really easy. Uh, so good to see that. Tomorrow and Thursday, tomorrow and Thursday is when Lira is on. Uh, tonight, tomorrow and Thursday, four thirty and eight forty-five. So worth getting along to see that. Oh eight one eight ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. The number, the text or WhatsApp or voice note. Oh eight three three ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. And your email opinion at ninety-six at m dot ie. The the strange presentation of food. Someone I don't know who this is. Someone sent uh, Patrick sent us in this picture of his breakfast in Sri Lanka. Now it looks like those are eggs, right? Um, and but the, what they've 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 sort of arranged them in such a way is it's like a smiley face with a little bit of salad. If you ask me, it looks a small bit like Ed Sheeran. Now that i look at the plate, the way it's been served, but. If you go through Twitter, you'll find plates. We want plates and things and stuff served on slates and tiles and old records. I'm telling you, old records and things, bits of marble, chopping boards, which can't be hygienic, mind you. Bits Bits of... Why, like, why can't we just have a plate or a bowl? Like, there's a thing out there where they serve a fry. Where your big, sort of full Irish comes out on a coal shovel. I kid you not, an actual coal shovel. Why? JP McMahon, chef and restaurateur, joins me. Why, JP, would you serve a full Irish on a shovel? Good
16: morning. How are you? I I, I don't know if I could uh, agree with that one, but um, I think a lot of times we, the reason we don't use plates, if it's a a wooden board or something, a lot of time it's just for for presentation. Um, Of course, it has to be functional. And I think that a lot of, uh, sometimes it's not functional at all, particularly if you get a steak on a slate or something and the sauce is going everywhere. So I do think uh, there's merit in, in some of the disgruntlement
5: yeah. Eggs Benedict served on a ceramic tile. It's never gonna work.
16: Unless the eggs are like no, hockey it, pucks, you know? And particularly yeah, particularly if like if you have to cut something. And it's uh so I'm always quite conscious of that. And I think it's it's a it's a trend that probably got um that got out of hand to a to a certain degree. But I, I think there are a lot of things that aren't plates that are quite beautiful to serve on. Um sometimes they're like uh They could be made from pottery or clay or something like that. And they they just don't look like a a plate. And I think it really depends uh, uh, where you are. I think the chicken and chips in a basket is sometimes a strange one as well, unless you're going to eat it all with your hands. But if you have to cut chicken and it's in a basket it's quite difficult with a knife and a fork. So I, it's, it, I think it's in every, every area of, um, of kind of uh, whether it's a cafe or restaurant or takeaway where, where things are being served on, 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 on something other than a plate.
5: So you're preparing a dish, uh, JP, and you're thinking, right, I, I'm not going to serve this in a standard white plate. I'm going to put it
16: on a board or a slate or whatever. How do you decide? I mean, sometimes it's 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 what it's, what we're being served. Does it need to be caught? Is it something that's just going to lift up? Is it uh, something? It's if it's uh, if it has a sauce? Are we are we putting it in? Does it have sides on it? I mean, I think a lot for a lot of people in the industry, and I, I don't know if, if other chefs, restaurateurs would agree. I think the like white plates became identified with a particular type of dining, um, and they became quite classical. And I, I think every generation tries to. Uh, put its own stamp on things, and I think there was a a pushback against the the kind of white plate that you get at a wedding, and everything is white, and there's no color, and a lot of that comes from kind of that kind of French classical dining, where you can just see the the food because the plate is white, so the plate's not interfering with yeah. the food the yeah. food at all. Um, but the I, I think that a lot of the, um, the Spanish uh, chefs of the '80s and '90s radicalized. Uh, serving things in just about anything. Um, and I think that has kind of bled down into it kind of into common culture now. Um, and uh, I think you you see you see it everywhere. But I think at the end of the day, I mean I, I'm always trying to think creatively and artistically, but at the same time it has to be functional. Mm. Um, and I think that serving something on glass if it has to be cut is is very grating and it's like it, uh, the sound of it and Literally. um yeah so I mean meat and cheese is wonderful on wooden boards that's that's perfect because it's just you're picking it up and I, I it's it wood is a very nice organic um yeah. uh, material but I mean yeah stuff that or the sauce is the worst thing when you particularly if you, if you get steaks on slates with sauce and then it has no sides so the sauce just goes onto the table and the waiter has to carry it out and the sauces in his finger and like it's just yeah it's an absolute uh mess sometimes you know
5: yeah the, the chopping board thing like is that i know for the cheese a cheese board it's a cheese board and it is what it is but a chopping board is not the most hygienic thing in your kitchen so is serving right. is serving my dinner on it and then taking it in and cleaning it and serving it to somebody else it's never going to be as clean as the plate
16: is well, I suppose, like yes and no, in the sense that I mean, most of the boards that you would buy would be treated like a like it would be a small lacquer. So there is a it is. Um... It is closed. I mean, if you're just getting random bits of wood, no, it's not. But I mean, most of the wooden boards you buy now would be—they are purpose-built for for restaurants, and they go through the dishwasher and they're everything. So they, yeah. yeah, they're varnished. But that's very different from making, like, making your own wooden boards and then uh, and then and then using them. So there is—it it really depends on the type uh, the type of wooden board. But um, actually, wood is surprisingly easy to clean if it can go through the dishwasher or with hot soapy water. So it's not not necessarily any less hygienic than a plate it, it really depends on if it's going through the dishwasher and it will that kill any any bacteria but um, it, it, I think that's the same for for, uh, for 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 both
5: what's what's the the strangest thing that you've ever seen food served on JP, your experience.
16: Actually, there was the, there's a course that I had that that was a balloon, and you had to suck it, and you it was a balloon. So it didn't even have a place. It just it hovered in front of you. So that's well, well, probably well, well, the strangest well, well, what thing. Was in it, what was in it? And um, it was a flavored gas that was. Um, uh, I can't even remember what the flavor was, but it was kind of like candy floss. But it was it floated, and it but it was transparent. It's a, it was in a restaurant in the in the states, and. Yeah, there's there's a few courses go like that around the world where things float or they stick to a glass where they haven't literally gone beyond the um, the plate completely. And it is yeah, look, it's it's a bit of a gimmick and yeah. it's it's a bit of crack and it's a bit of fun. But yeah, you, I don't think it'll uh, it'll take hold any uh, any time any uh, uh, any time soon. I actually can't re- remember the the weirdest thing I've eaten out of because I suppose I mean sometimes I'm I'm so used to just going through different ways of presenting that but something that i might consider like normal <laughs> someone yeah. else might go that's a really weird way of eating well one of the weirdest um, things
5: i ever saw and the person who put it up on instagram said it was absolutely delicious they got a shepherd's pie a standard traditional shepherd's pie served in what you might call a coronation street pint pot oh very good <laughs> and they thought it was Actually, absolutely lovely <laughs>
16: <laughs> I uh there, there was one that I thought that, that it wasn't in a in a restaurant, I was more in a kind of event, but they were serving cheese out of the 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 sheep's stomach that it was made in. Ugh. And that was that was fairly gnarly. That was um yeah it was uh, I think it's a traditional Albanian uh, very ancient Albanian dish and it's not even a dish it's it's the way they make this cheese but it was uh, it was a full body cheese let's just say it was um, it was that uh, and there's another there's another restaurant in Spain where they feed you so you eat off the spoon but the waiter comes down to you and puts the spoon into your mouth and you don't know what it is on, and this is like a three Michelin star restaurant so it's not like I presume what they're putting into your mouth is edible but like you have to kind of just put your trust in them. You, do, you open don't your mouth.
5: You? And you do, don't you, JP? Thank you very much, JP McMahon, chef and restaurateur, and indeed author. The weirdest thing you've ever been served your food on. Um, I, you, well, I love actually being served the various parts of my dinner in different little bowls. I'm a big we're big tapas fans myself and the the queen bee, and we love tapas bowls. Uh, and all the stuff comes out in different bowls and you get. Into, I like that. I'm not a fan of slates, lads. I'm not really a fan of slates. You know, except for there is a steak. There's a way of doing steak, and they do it in the East Village, and I'm sure they do it elsewhere too in Cork. I've just never found it where the 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 meat comes out sort of raw or at least half raw, just about seared, and then the stone is red hot. It's just so hot and you cook it on the stone. You slice up the meat, and you cook. It's gorgeous. That's unusual enough. I like that one. Eugene says, on the old steam trains, they used the coal shovel, both for cooking breakfast and for removing it. At- Stop it. Stop it, Eugene. Stop, you're bold. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And then there's someone in great humor listening to us this morning. We're talking about takeaways, and Finn was talking about takeaways and how you can get takeaway food, and some food is takeaway and some food is not takeaway, and all that. Somebody's in great form today, and I know it's a grey old old day. day. Well, it was brightening up a little bit now. No, it's a grey old day out there, uh, and things are tough around us. But someone is in great form today takeaway is nothing but junk food saturated in fat. No wonder we have an epidemic of obesity. May you have a happy day.
2: One mum decided that she was going to take her kids out of school and take them on holiday. Unfortunately, she got caught when the school rang her phone and got an international ringtone. <gasps>
5: Just yeah.
11: tell the
2: school you're taking your kids on
11: holidays.
5: Over in the UK, no, they really the, that you the get UK. fined
11: for it. Yeah, yes you
9: yeah. can. You, sorry, what? You can't be fined for being a bad parent. <laughs> well, like English education system, it's like Carnation Street. Not never happens. Whereas <laughs> Irish education systems, like he centers. I went on a four day holiday to Lanzarote when I was ten, and I missed all of long
17: division. And how many points in the even Cert, Ross? Ninety. Casey and Ross in the morning. Get into gear for
2: 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool, Sales Dealer of the Year. Open 24-7 at mildc.com
5: 96 It's 46 days to Christmas Oh, before I do this, put the damn food on a plate I love it Put the damn food on a plate and stop trying to be somebody off Master Chef. It's been on a plate for hundreds if not thousands of years, slates belong on a roof, stop please just stop says Kevin Thank you. Yes, it's 46 days to Christmas, and I have it in my hand the 125th edition of the Cork Holly Bow. It is officially the run in to Christmas in Cork when you take up this beautiful, beautiful publication, which is John Dolan, editor of the Holly, Holly Bow. It's been doing it for 125 years, but in the 125th year, it is more pure cork than ever before. Good morning.
17: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yes, yes, it's 125 years old, would you believe? And uh, as popular as ever, great, a great cork Christmas tradition, as you say.
5: I randomly opened it to just flick through to see what was in it, and the first thing I see in front of me is donkey's gudge. It is pure cork. <laughs> Give us the history, John. Where did it come from?
17: Well, oh. it's... I mean... Th- yeah, it, it, it's kind of the, the bits and pieces of, of the leftovers, isn't it, is, is basically what it is. So, you know, in times, in days when times were hard and, and, and pennies were scarce, then, you know, donkey's Gudge would have been a nice, you know, reasonably priced treat, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, it's it does have a history that goes back in Cork and, and I'm guessing in, all across Ireland, in the cities across Ireland, you know, way, way hundred years and probably even more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we we have a lovely story in the Hollywood from a guy who worked in a Chandler Street baker's there in the 60s and he's explaining exactly how it was made, uh, and, as, and as you can imagine, it's uh, it's a lot of leftovers. But for some reason, people loved it. You know, people still talk about it now. They loved it. You know, they're going into school and they got some donkey's gudge and donkey's gudge, and you know, it's uh, it, it's great tradition to it. You know,
5: when did you take over the the Hollibow desk?
17: Like this,
5: tell me the tell me the history of this magazine.
17: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 20 years editor this year, but that's that's only just a, a fleeting, <laughs> a fleeting period in terms of the Hollybough because the Hollybough was, was founded in 1897, so it's into its third, well into its third century now, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I mean, I, when I became ed- editor, obviously I I wasn't from Cork, so uh, I, I had a bit of a crash course into what it was all about, and uh, I'm delighted to say that in the last 20 years, it's we you know we've invested in it, and it's it's just become more and more popular uh, than it ever was, I think, uh, and it's it's. Just just a great, a great honour and privilege for me, and it's it's written by the people for the people. PJ, I always say, you know, we we have writers, we have historians, we have experts who write articles, but the vast majority of it is is people just sharing the memories of their lives. You know, something mm-hmm. funny, something maybe sad, you know, something quirky. You know, sometimes even just it might sound fairly mundane, but somebody's Christmas memory would strike a chord with with everybody. I think. Yes.
5: Yes, yes. The front page is always special and this year's one is beautiful. It's a gorgeous picture of Bridge Street mm. in the snow and up into up, up to Patrick's Hill. There's a lot of work, a lot of thought goes into the front page every year, isn't there, John?
17: Yeah, well, a few years ago I decided that, you know, we'd ask a different Cork artist every year because we have so many artists in Cork, you know, do fabulous work. And, you know, the Holly Bow is there for, for writers and for poets uh, and for artists, you know, to showcase what they can do. So every year we ask a different artist. So it's a different style every year of, of art. And yeah, this year it's Sheena Dempsey. Now, Sheena is from Cork and she's uh, she's one of the great um, children's illustrators of books. You know, she's based in the UK now, but she does, you know, she's done Bre- Brezzi's latest kids' book. She did, she did the illustrations for that. You know, she's done some of the best ones ar- around some of the best sellers. Uh, so I was in touch with Sheena to see if she could do the artwork and. And uh, I'm delighted to say she did a fabulous job, didn't she? It's, uh, I was anxious, I think, this year, because people are going to feel a pinch a bit financially, that, you know, we, we kept it quite light and fun and, and emphasised the fun and, and the childlike side of Christmas. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what she's done with that, that fabulous artwork, isn't it?
5: Speaking of fun, there's very little more fun than the Diffney quiz every year. Like trying <laughs> to get that bloody thing finished. Yes! <laughs>
17: <laughs> no, it's a great success, isn't it? People love the the Diffney Quiz, and you know, I think I think one of the secrets of it is I defy any one person anywhere, whether the brainiest person in the world, they won't be able to answer all, all of those yeah. questions because you know it, it needs that family gathering at Christmas. It needs the teenager who knows the rap song or the old granddad who remembers an Irish line of poetry. Or you know, it, it it's, it's such a wide range and appeal, um, and yeah, it's people love it. And you know, any day now, I will receive my first. Entry for the Difny Quiz PJ. I'll guarantee you.
5: <laughs> and, and this is the wonderful thing about it. Like it's the, the, the Difny Quiz was just an idea that somebody had, and it appears only in the Holly Bow. And for people who've never come across it, John, what what is it?
17: Well, it's it's very simple. It's sixty questions, and basically, what it is, it's a phrase or a saying, um, and and using letters and numbers. So I'll give you an example, which we give every year. You know, one hundred C in a in a in an E is 100 cent in a euro but all you have is 100 c in ae so you know that's that's an example of what it is and the 60 questions like that it's very very easy to do and what you'll find is you'll sit down and you'll probably rattle off 10, 20, 30 or more of them straight away, but it's the ones that you don't get that really niggle away at you, you know yeah. uh, and you know, it's sometimes you'll have a eureka moment or sometimes you'll have to ask somebody and they'll know straight away and they'll say, how did you know that, you know it's uh, it's a great sort of communal quiz and it's so popular. I remember going into my local,
5: this is pre-pandemic but going into my local on the 27th of December one year and shall we say feeling a small bit the worst for wear as you might be on the 27th of December and I went in for <laughs> A, a, a cure, I'm not going to lie in for a cure <laughs> How are you PJ? Says the voice my and the diffany quiz was tossed over the counter, would you ever have a look at number 37 before I kill
17: someone? <laughs> well do you know I get stopped in the street or people will, will, will phone me up and just say please please tell me what the answer to 47 is and I say you know I can't I'm sworn to secrecy until the new year when, when we announce the winner yeah. well, we, you know, But we we have hundreds and hundreds of entries to the Diffney quiz and the Crossword as well and and, uh, you know, so many people send them in. But I know that so much effort has gone into each one. You feel like everybody should, should be given a prize of some kind. It's,
5: it's, 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 and, it's, and it's wonderful, wonderful fun. Now, it goes to the four corners of the world, John. And every year you put mm-hmm. in pictures.
17: Yeah, the Hollybale Picture Gallery, which we started about twenty years ago. Now, during COVID, for obvious reasons, it it was vastly reduced, you know. And I, for the first time, I said, "Look, you know, we'll accept pictures from from Ireland, from even your own know, home, if if you can't get out because of COVID." Um, but I'm glad to say that this year, you know, obviously things of, of normality has returned, and we we've, we're seeing many more pictures of people with it all all around the world in various places. It's it's such great fun you know people will people might be on holiday they might be working they might be visiting the grandchild for the first time in australia and they bring the holly bow in the suitcase it's wonderful and yeah. it's part of the family isn't it you know the yeah. publication it's, it's it's so dear to people's hearts it's lovely to see
5: uh, yeah we're a listener david wants to know is there an online version he can't seem to find one
17: yeah that is, yeah we, we have echolive.ie slash hollybow that's the hollybow website now you'll see you know that there's various stories and there's, there's a bit of video up there from one of the stories as well but on that website people can purchase a print edition to be posted out and they can purchase a digital edition as well which is just an online version of it um which which we also sell but you know i i, I you know the vast majority of people they want the print copy in their hands I find you know it's uh, yeah. it's still a great tradition it's it's by the fireside and you know a cup of coffee or a, something stronger over Christmas and you, you get to put your feet up and uh, you know you, you, you get to flick through the pages and you read these lovely stories that people have shared with us
5: yeah and you get a lot of people have the honour of writing for it just on and off I mean I know my Pal J.P. Quinn has a story in this year. Barry Roach, yes. my old buddy from the Irish Times, has a piece <laughs> yes, in. I yes. had the privilege of writing a story myself a few years ago. And and mm. uh, and, and, and Kate Durant would like uh, another, uh, is, is, has written her first story and she's thrilled with it. I'm going to talk to her in just a sec. John, as always, as always, it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful production. Congratulations. Thanks, Peter. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's a real part of Cork Christmas in Cork And then Kate Durant uh, Your first publication In the Hollybow
18: yes, yes You're
5: delighted with life Well done
18: Oh do you know I'm thrilled You know I was thinking about what you, you just said it there actually It's such a privilege isn't it To be a part of something That is so important to our city mm. Um, you know, we talk about time capsules and people gather together, or oh, hundreds of bits and pieces. But actually, if you just put the holly bow into a time capsule every year, that would tell you everything you need to know about court, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah.
5: Now, your little story is a kind of a sad story.
18: Do you know, I was thinking about that. It is isn't. it isn't. It's a love story. And it's um, it's about how love remains, even when the person doesn't. And I suppose, you know, that, that's that's hope for us all, isn't it? you don't have to be here to love somebody so it's it's a bit of a love story a bit of a different love story and um yeah it's not your normal christmas cheer but it's uh yeah love is love and christmas is all about love isn't it
5: yeah, yeah and you're you're very modest because you've already been shortlisted in a an international short story competition with this little story
18: yeah yeah it's 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 lovely it's uh, yeah it's it's great too. it's lovely i love writing and the fact that you think anybody would want to read it is obviously just incredible because you never imagine that. And actually, Joe, it was lovely about the stories. I thought you were talking about the art earlier. Um, the illustrations that were done by the transition year students in Ashton are absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, I, I, I sent a card to the, the girl Freya who, who did mine just to thank her. I'd love to get a copy of it because it's they really oh, they lifted them so much, but they must have put a lot of thought into what they were doing. So that was lovely. And the obituaries as well, there was Tim from the corner shop, um, gone but not forgotten. I'd say he sold quite a lot of hollybells in his time. Yes, yes, yes. And and,
5: and as someone who initially yourself, Kate, you, you came to Cork for what, a month?
18: Yeah, actually, it was the start of my world tour, but I I realised that I was never going to find anywhere better than Cork to live.
5: do so, no, uh, remind us again. I I mean, you yeah. know, your voice is so familiar, and you're involved in so many things. You came to Cork for what? A Indeed. couple of weeks?
18: Indeed, yeah, yeah. I'd been working. I left school very well. I was quite young, and uh, I was sixteen, as we did in those times. And uh, so I'd been working. I was twenty-one. So I said, right, I'd do a bit of traveling. And uh, sure, I got to Cork. And I, I genuinely don't think there's anywhere else in the world that I could live. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah if, we could, if we could turn the tap off a little bit at times, it'd be nice, especially the last couple of weeks. Mm. But I mean, what a lovely place to live. It, you've got all the benefits of living in a village where everybody knows you and looks out for you. Then you've got the anonymity of living somewhere slightly bigger. You've got the sophistication of the art scene. You've got, oh, you've just got everything, haven't you? It's just perfect. You came for a month, didn't you? I did. 30. 34 years 34 ago. 34 years yeah. ago. Yeah, so I'd say. But I was just wondering, I, still, I never got around to getting an, an Irish passport. I never felt the need, I suppose, but uh, I suppose with Brexit. So I'm just wondering if I send the Hollybow in now with my application, I presume that's an automatic Irish passport. Oh, I
5: think so. Oh, I, think I think so, so too. Oh, I think so. Go through the Hollybow the story, just briefly. Obviously, people will want to read it for all the detail, but go through it for me a little bit.
18: What, my story?
5: Yeah. yeah,
18: yeah. Uh, my story, it's about. Um, it's a, a story about two two people, a husband and a wife, really, or two partners, and the the, the man dies. And it's about that precious time in between when the paramedics leave um, and the undertaker arrives. So it's that, that that time before everybody claims the person you love for, as I say, comes in and scoops your future off the floor and takes them away when they belong to everybody, you know, and the funerals take place and all that. So it's that time of looking back and, and valuing what you had for all those years, however long it was for different for everybody. So it's that sweet time where you're just on your own, as you probably have been for quite a lot of your life, yeah. and you just look back and look at your love, and, and uh, it's a very precious time.
5: I think it's so hugely identifiable, relatable. Everybody in some way, shape or form has had that, Few hours where the person has just passed away, the arrangements have to be made, and in the hours in between, before the undertaker comes, or you go to see the undertaker, you sit. You sit with your memories.
18: They're yours, aren't they? They're yours for the last time, Um, because you know we we need the formalities. We need funerals. They're very important. A good ending is a very important thing, and nowhere more so than in Ireland. but that that little sweet spot when this person you love just before they leave you for the very last time, when you can just be with them and stroke them, and it's perfect.
5: Yeah, yeah. Finbar Archer was on, as we call him, Finbar, oh. the the real Lord Mayor,
18: the real Lord Mayor. <laughs> real
5: Lord Mayor. <laughs> he says you're such a kind person, and he wants to wish you every success with your writing and with your future, Kate.
18: Oh, thank you. And and, and congratu- Finbar,
5: congratulations, because I do, as someone who's had the privilege. I think it was 2018 had the privilege of having a story published in the Hollingbow. Uh, well, done. well done.
18: Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank Cheers. you.
5: That's Kate, you're uh, Yeah, the Cork Hollingbow, It costs you six quid. It's everywhere and it'll last. It's, you'll get value out of it because you'll still be reading it at Christmas week. There's loads of stuff in it. Like the massacre that Cork forgot, a bloodbath on Mailer Street, um, the crowning glory of the day I saw the Queen, There's just loads and loads and loads of different... And it's puzzled for the kids and cartoons, colouring competition, to rush it with love. It's just gorgeous. As always, it's gorgeous. The Holly Bell, it's in your shops now. 46 days to Christmas, but the countdown is officially underway in Cork. Uh, Glow is back. We thought for a while we wouldn't have Glow we did think that Glow wasn't going to happen. In fact, when I mentioned it here last month or so, was it last month, I was told, no, it's not happening, and then it is happening. And it is, and it'll start on the 25th of November. Uh, Trish Murphy is the events manager at Glow. And there was some confusion, Trish, because of the state of play of Bishop Lucy Park. That work that's due to go on there now won't happen until the new year, so Glow can go ahead. Good morning.
7: Good morning, PJ. Uh, Thank you for having us on. Um, Yes, we're delighted to be able to uh, confirm that uh, we're returning to Bishop Lucy Park as part of GLOW this Christmas. Um, We had other activities planned initially uh, for Christmas and for GLOW, uh, but when the opportunity came to go back to the park, we were delighted we were able to do so because everyone uh, really does love Bishop Lucy Park as part of uh, the Christmas uh, build up um, so uh, we're thrilled to be able to return
5: It lends itself to the atmosphere doesn't it?
7: It absolutely does and I think you know it is um, it's it's encouraging people to come into the city centre it kicks off our Christmas shopping season and there's a lovely buzz and atmosphere. So uh, mm. we're delighted to have the return of the park. And we also have the return of the first Wheel and Grand Parade as well. Yes. So yeah. uh, as well as other activation and activities happening around the city. So it'll be uh, we're, we're looking forward to Christmas um, and encouraging people to come into the city.
5: With it being in the midst of an energy crisis, I know that you've had to yep. take some steps in that regard. The illumination of the city hall has being cut back, I think.
7: It is. Now, um, the City Council would be very conscious of energy and savings, especially in particular in relation to uh, the energy crisis, as you've mentioned. Um, so there's a number of things that they have planned. As you mentioned, um, illuminating the City Hall will be reduced uh, to just one hour a night previously. It used to run for six hours, but also um, with the, city, the Christmas lights that the City Council puts up their energy efficient LED lights which actually require 75% less energy than traditional mm. bulbs and the lighting, the Christmas lighting itself will be come down a little earlier this year on January 7th um, to uh, help uh, save an energy as well so there's a number of different things that will be taken mm. into account
5: There's no event to turn on the lights When when are they coming on can you tell us?
7: Well, the lights will be, will be coming on and they'll be coming on um, uh, the next, uh, the, the third, third week of November. So we'll be announcing details of that um, in the coming weeks or so. So it will be coming on traditionally. Um, it usually comes in around the third week of November and that, that will be uh, the case again this year. And that will be followed with the opening of GLOW the following week which will be on Friday the twenty fifth, as you mentioned.
5: There's no ceremony, though, for the lights, no?
7: No, there isn't. And we've we've moved away from a big ceremony and event. Um, We haven't had one over the last couple of years due to COVID. Mm. And uh, prior to that, we had re-looked at it, but such large numbers come into the city centre that it is a very, very big logistical operational um, piece in terms of safely managing the event and we felt the focus on Glow was the way to go this year with it which was our main priority um, with it. So we have Glow which is happening over the four weekends which is 12 days and the Ferris Wheel will be in situ right all the way through Christmas up until the 8th of January and as I say, there's loads of other things going to be happening in the city. (laughs) I mean we have all of the Pantos, the Pantos returning again this year which is fantastic fantastic. There's a craft market which will be in Emma Place uh, in the two weekends before Christmas. There's other events and Christmas activities happening throughout the city. So what we're basically encouraging people to uh, do come to Cork for Christmas. We will have full details up, up on our website in the coming week or so, which is uh, uh, courtcity.ie forward slash glow. And you will be able to see what will be happening in the park. Um, and we'll be encouraging people to pre-book because it helps with numbers and managing yeah. the numbers. And the park is free as per previous years. I should yeah. stress that. Um, and we'll have other events happening in the city up there okay. as well.
5: We, we, what's your got the food market... That was a great hit on the Grand Parade. Is that, is that coming back?
7: We're not putting the food market back on the Grand Parade this year because um, we, I think everyone agrees that there's a fabulous offering in the city now with um, all of the fabulous outdoor dining. So what we're encouraging people to do is come to the city, visit Glow in the Park, perhaps stick around in the Ferris Wheel, and then pop around town and see what else is going on. Enjoy uh, you know, support shop local, visit our local retail and also our local hospitality there's fantastic outdoor dining on Absolutely. offer okay. so that's what we're encouraging
5: And lastly, the the City Hall will be illuminated, I think I see from my notes here, 8 to 9pm just for young children, wouldn't tea time be a better time Trish maybe 6 to 7 oh.
7: 6 to 7, and um, I, to be honest with you, I, uh, you know, I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, I, I can refer that back in line with it. I'm not involved in the lights sure. myself in, in the in the city hall I'm involved in Glow, um, but I think the, you know, the important thing is there will be a festive feeling throughout the city. Sure. There'll be lights throughout the city, and families will be able to enjoy it. And actually, we've we've slightly changed our timings for the park this year. So it'll run a half an hour earlier from uh, four o'clock until eight o'clock, which uh, will support and and, and and suit kind of the younger family members a little bit earlier because we've noticed that you know there's always anxious to get in that little bit earlier. Yes, so while it will be fully dark at that time, it still will have that lovely Christmas atmosphere.
5: Okay. All right. So we look forward to it and look forward to getting in and either the bus into town and wandering around and having a bite to eat, maybe a drink or two and enjoying Glow as we do at Christmas after Christmas. Trish Murphy, the Events Manager for Glow Cork, back for 2022, the 25th of November, it opens the lights will go on we can't tell you when, because we don't know what time or when, but they will go on and there will be lights, thanks Trish and plenty more besides, 0818 96 96, 96. I, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to hold over that long message we got about homelessness and tax and Mick Barry we might hold that off until tomorrow because I think that'll start quite an interesting conversation on the show so we're going to leave that until tomorrow
1: PJ Coogan on the opinion line Silver winner Silver winner Best news story at the Emro Radio Awards 2022
5: Bubble, beer, Corks 96 FM It's on plates Oh, now it's gone Just so I was about to read it Alright, 0818 96, 96 96 Now Mike, you left in an amp To be repaired at AV Service Centre And they're gone
11: That's right PJ Tell me what well, happened I let it in, now it could be over a year ago, but um, when I did ring up for an update or to see how things were going, you know, they said there's a global shortage of uh, microchips and that's no surprise, you know, that's um, not news to anybody. So I just check in from time to time and, you know, I was told it's a work in progress. The last time I checked in, they did express a good bit of hope that they were making it a personal mission to get this sorted, so I let it go for a while. And when I went to ring them yesterday, there's no answer. So I called up and the place is vacated, being done up now for new tenants with no um, forwarding or contact number or anything. <laughs> and I was just reaching out to see if any of your listeners know anything about it or could suggest the next move.
5: Now, the, this was the AV centre that was there for so many years on Father Matthew Key. And That's they correct. moved out then to the Business and Technology Park on the, man, on the Mallow Road, and, and now that unit is closed. You, you, la, you last went out there, when was it, Mike, yesterday? Yesterday. Nice, nice. And you haven't been able to contact any previous number?
11: No, the number, there's no, it's just going dead, it doesn't even ring. So, you know, I was hoping that maybe some of your listeners or somebody would be able to point me in the right direction or yeah. give me a contact for somebody Yeah, cause you checked w- the company on solo check and it's still company status is still normal so it doesn't look like they've folded up or anything mm. you, you have this amp for quite some time I have, I bought it uh, back in 1996 mm. and you know it's a great personal value to me for many many reasons Is so, it a guitar amp or what is it? No, it's an amp from a, an old hi-fi, a Denon hi-fi, which oh. would be rare enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so...
5: I remember really Denon hi-fis. They, they didn't last very long, as, as, as in you wouldn't, because Denon went into professional gear for DJs and stuff like that. Denon home hi-fi, that's that's a collector's item.
11: It is, yes, so it's, uh, you really very keen to get it back.
5: Right. So if anyone knows what has become of the AV service centre. You just want to get... I mean, if they've closed, could someone just give you back your amps? You might be able to get it done elsewhere. Correct. Yeah. Okay. We don't know what's happened to them, um, but the place at Mallow Road is closed. You were there yesterday. The numbers aren't answering. You just want your amp back. If the business is gone, the business is gone, But and that's sad for them, but you just want to get your amp back.
11: That's right. And also, I did pay a small deposit, but... We won't hang on that one. Okay.
5: All right. Listen, if anyone knows for sure, Mike, uh, they can contact us and we'll get in touch with you. Okay?
11: That's great, PJ.
5: I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. No bother. Uh, no bother. Uh, collector's item, Amp, Denon Amp from the from the 90s, handed it into AV services. They seem to be closed. Uh, can anyone clarify that situation? And if he can get his amp back, can anybody do it? I'm thinking of... Ken Foley, up a TV AE, or anybody else like that, who might be able to do, do, do an old collector's item amp for him, but he wants to get it back, and AV service center appears to have closed quickly. Um, Ted, Ted Danine, this is the fella, This, this is Ted Danine who helps, who helps center, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah That's right. Uh, PJ. You, you want Santa to talk helper? How are you, good man? Good man. Steak. Oh, yeah, Steak, you know, you said
14: you weren't uh, a great lover of it, but, you know, coming here at Christmas now, I, I find my own bit of Steak myself. Yeah. But um, Soho there, Sean McCarthy there, the, the, the famous car caller, he's involved there in Soho. But they're doing the lava rocks with the Steak since 2007. Aren't they? Or 8. And the rooftop restaurant there is lovely. I wouldn't eat there all the time, but just, it's smashing.
5: Good and man. it's done,
14: done exactly as you say this comes out half
5: cool that's right and, yeah. and,
14: and they're seared in on the rocks they're they, doing it here anyway but they probably do it outside
5: well, do, in, 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 in Douglas as well they you do it in the East Village yeah, I I saw it for the first yeah, time years yeah. ago in Spain and I thought I, I, I wanted to have yeah. that they've been there for years come here is, will, will Santa be busy, oh, with, yeah, be busy I'm,
14: I'm, I, I got a call there to be US helper again this year now and Peter my son it was going to the man now he's, he's my elf he's just 13 but um, I'll tell you the truth. Your Christmas um, feeling today was nice with the Holly bow and everything. You know, you know it's only November, but it was a nice show. And I thought it was very, very nice to be this morning when we mentioned everything. Yeah. But um, my first job this year now is above in um, in the local pub. It's called in Military Hill. It's from Marymount. And uh, I was asked to do the, the draw there for the raffle. And there's only a tender ticket, but Kim's people... Are are playing there, and they were actually the, the band that played for the Limerick homecoming in Galbally Excellent. where where the John Kiley his family had a pub there years ago, but the I'll be doing the draw there, Jim Carver, saying the tickets are only tenner. Good man. And there's, there's, there's a week in the way and uh, man. a hamper. So that's my first job. And if you need me fronting over the Christmas, let me know, all right? Good man.
5: Do you know what? Cork, because he's got so many helpers, and particularly in Cork, Santa is always trying to learn a bit of Cork slang. Do, do you know what his favourite bit of Cork slang is? Do you?
14: Well, I I could really say uh, say it on the radio. Oh, really? <laughs> well, a little bit of a langer, like you know, <laughs> I heard them calling calling Rudolf a bit of a langer there once upon a time, you know.
5: Ted, thank you very much. Centre called Rudolf a langer. Only in Cork would that happen. That's it. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Neymar. Thanks, Virgil. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. The
2: Takeover. On Corks 96 FM. Weeknights from seven on the big drive home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm feeling pick what we play see our song list on 96 fm insta stories with sophie's rooftop restaurant at the dean cork serving lunch daily over
0: breathtaking views see sophie's.ie Turn up the music.
1: on cork's 96 fm
0: botox cosmetic out botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you
1: for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
0: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out